This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, this is Jay Lee, artist of books like The Inhumans and Marvel's Dark Tower and Batman Superman. And you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 465. It's another landmark anniversary episode. And what anniversary is it? The 465th anniversary of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Each week we discuss Wednesday's new comics, comic book movies, TV, news, and scrape the bugs off the carcass of the Internet to expose the rotting guts of the nerdy rumor mill. Stinks. Bad. Yeah, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Before we get into any of that crap, Joey, let's put on our hockey masks. Let's fire up these chainsaws and let's mutilate ten of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Kid Lobotomy, number one, from IDW slash Black Crown, 32 pages for $3.99. Peter Milligan has been writing comics that can only be considered as bizarre for 30 years now, and while I haven't read all of his work, I think it's safe to say Kid Lobotomy is his most insane venture yet. Tess Fowler is wonderful in art here, though, and does a fantastic job with Milligan's insane script. Panels are crawling with bugs, ghosts, and other inhabitants of kids' own and acquired insanity. You'll see what I mean when you read it. No spoilers here, though. Fans of Grant Morrison's Shade, The Changing Man, and Invisibles, and other 90s insane Vertigo work will love this twisted tale of a not-so-hotelier practicing very questionable medicine on mentally ill guests. Kid Lobotomy number 1 pokes at the reader, daring them to guess what is reality while weaving together the weirdest cast of characters I can remember. Buy it and get ready for the weird. Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil number 1. It's from Dark Horse. It's 32 pages and it costs $3.99. Wow. Writer Jeff Lemire expands the mythology of Black Hammer with this series that takes us to the heart of the Spiral Asylum for the Criminally Insane, an M.C. Escher-esque prison that houses the deadliest supervillains the world has to offer. Ether's David Rubin lends his vibrant artwork to the story using two-page spreads packed with small detail in a way that reminded me of Michael Avon Oming's work on Powers. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Yeah. You don't need to be up to date on Black Hammer to enjoy this issue, though it gets my highest recommendation. Sherlock Frankenstein is a wonderful addition to the Black Hammer mythos. Buy it! It really was great. Incredible Hulk number 709. Sorry, Hulk, you got screwed out of your anniversary yeah, issue. Yeah, what the hell? It's from Marvel. 32 pages for $3.99. Greg Pak returns to Hulk as part of Marvel's legacy re birthing or something like that. The cover features a very familiar looking Jay Giant, but don't go into this looking for puny Bruce Banner. Amadeus Cho is still the Hulk, but like the title, he seems to have lost his totally awesomeness. But he's gained some incredibleness. Uh, yeah. Pack dials back the humor of the totally awesome Hulk and returns the heavy metal dialogue and monstrous action to the title, which is a welcome change at this point. Greg Land is on art here, and I've been very critical of his style in the past, but his sweeping panels and battle scenes here really blew me away. This was some of the best-looking Greg Land work I've ever seen, and if this is the new Land style, I want more of it. Like I said, Banner is not back, and show haters are not going to be happy, but 
this Hulk deserves a chance and it has me excited about the title again. They went back to Sakaar. Yeah. Planet Hulk. Buy it. <laughs> Great. Deadpool versus Old Man Logan number one, Marvel. It's 32 pages. It's three ninety nine. Normally, I'm pretty set against these cash grab Deadpool minis, but Marvel knows their audience will flock to them. I saw a preview from this issue that had me laughing out loud, so I knew I had to check it out. The story is relatively slight, but the creative team has a ton of fun with it. Writer Declan Shalvey packs more puns into every page of Deadpool vs. Old Man Logan than are found in most comics twice its length. The script is light, quick, and hilarious. Nailbiter's Mike Henderson is on art duties, and his work is fantastic. He's really good. Holy cow. Yeah, he's really good. Henderson draws with a thin, scratchy line that fits the aesthetic of these two characters perfectly, and he's able to inject some humor into the visuals as well. Like I said, I'm not usually one to recommend stuff like this, but I really loved Deadpool vs. Old Man Logan. It gets a buy it. It's really great. The Mighty Thor, number 700 from Marvel. It's 64 pages for $5.99. It was huge. This double-sized issue is a celebration of all things Thor and opens wonderfully with with a splash page by legendary Thor artist Walt Simonson that grabbed me by the heart and squeezed it. It was gross. As with all these giant size anniversary issues, we're given several different peeks into all the corners of Thor's universe, but unlike most of these anniversary issues, writer Jason Aaron is clever enough to connect all the stories into one cohesive book. Artist Russell Dodderman might be the most talented superhero artist working in <laughs> comics today. That's not how you spell his name. It's not like daughter, man. I just wrote it first. <laughs> and he's perfectly amazing here. Dodderman and a gaggle of other talented artists make this issue must-read material. The Mighty Thor 700 was a wonderful roundup of all the story threads Aaron has been weaving. An absolute, and it was an absolute joy to read Shout out to Bob Clifton. You think that guy's still alive? Bob Clifton? I don't know. Cable, 150 from Marvel, 32 pages for $3.99. Ed Brisson and John Malin are your new Cable creative team as they use the mandate of Marvel Legacy to revel in the glorious splendor of the 1990s. Honestly, the story is kind of fun in a cheesy throwback kind of way, and if the cover is any indication, some other fan-favorite characters will be joining the cast soon. I have a love-hate relationship with John Malin's art. He's definitely from the Liefeld School, but his work isn't without its flashy charm. Plus, there was a moment with Dupe that really caught me off guard in a good way. Cable 150 isn't going to bring home any Eisners, but if you're in the mood for a modern take on the extreme 90s action style, this will definitely scratch that itch. It's a skim it, but... I thought it was great. I really did. Um, <laughs> I thought it was great, and this is what they should have been doing with Cable from the beginning. I mean, it's not that different than what they were already doing with Cable. Only it wasn't as fun, and it was know. it was more serious before. Yeah. Um, it is also like if you've been missing your three fingered X characters, oh, this yeah. is the place to be. Oh yeah. The only one missing is Nightcrawler. <laughs> Batman, the Drowned, number one from DC. It's. 32 pages for $3.99. Holy hell, the Dark Knight's Metal one-shots have been good. And I honestly thought this one, where we meet a Batwoman that became an evil bat aqua woman, would be the weak link. What a tangled web. Tell me about it. (laughs) Wow, was I wrong. Writer Dan Abnett and artist Philip Tan and Tyler Kirkham unleash an aquatic bat demon on the DCU with dialogue perfect for any doom metal masterpiece. This was yet another introduction to a terrifying bat monster from a dark universe here to murder everything in sight, and I loved every page. I'm giving it a buy it. 
I heard it was great. It, it got like 10 stars. Awesome. Or, uh, 10. And just brutal. <laughs> it got 10 middle fingers straight up on newsarama.com. <laughs> Maestro's number one from Image, it's 40 pages, is $3.99. What a steal. The Maestro and his entire royal family have been murdered. Now his banished son from Earth will inherit the Wizard King's throne along with a spell that turns its user into God. With enemies everywhere, will this Orlando-born millennial be able to keep his new magic kingdom? That's the high concept of the surprisingly body and hilarious Maestro's number one. Courtesy of writer-artist Steve Scrooge. 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 Willie, the vanished son in question, is doing a bad job keeping a low profile, selling dick-enhancing potion to redneck millionaires when the forces of Marduk arrive to kill the heir to the throne of Zynon. Man. Anthro- a, yeah. a lot going on here. Anthropomorphic flower men, talking swords, tentacle stripper monsters. Whoa. Maestros is a bizarre fever dream born from a thousand different fantasy stories, all brought to life by Scrochi's phenomenal art. Seriously, his work on We Stand on Guard by Brian K. Vaughn was good. It was very good. But this seems like a huge step up, and having the legendary Dave Stewart on colors probably helps. I was really caught off guard by it. I loved it. I knew it would at least be fun to look at, but I didn't expect Maestro's number one to be such an enjoyable read. It's a huge buy it. Invincible Iron Man number 593. Speaking of milestones. Yeah. It's from Marvel Comics. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Both Joe and I have had our issues with BMB. Both Joe and I have had our issues with Brian Michael Bendis, but... And I'm not speaking for Joe here. I have loved both his Invincible and Infamous Iron Man. Yeah, I'm not caught up, but yeah. Okay. As you may know, Tony has been in a coma for a while now after his battle with Captain Marvel in Civil War II. Since then, Tony's mom popped back up and Riri Williams, Wee Wee Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart, has been wearing the armor alongside Doctor Doom, who's going through a moral crisis of his own. Stefano Caselli is wonderful in art with little help. From Alex May Leave on the Doom story, Bendis is writing a fantastic mystery here that is definitely building to the return of Tony Stark, and I'm completely on board. Bye. You know what? I wasn't caught up on Infamous or Invincible Iron Man. Uh, I picked this up, or I, I read it, and um, I found it perfectly enjoyable. They did a great job yeah. catching you up. You didn't yeah. really need to know all the details. Not at all. There was one weird scene that I I had to stare at for several minutes, and that's where Dr. Doom shows up at the prison. That was so great. And all of a sudden, the guys are hugging. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is he happening? Ma- he magicked them. He magicked them, yeah, yes. You the- didn't pick up on that? It took me a minute. Uh, because his font changes. Yeah. It's very subtle yeah. and very clever. That Okay, that goes on in the book pretty regularly. Probably, yeah, I mean, stuff, I'm sure so. it does. Rugrats, number one from Boom. It's 32 pages. It's 399. Shorten this up a little bit. Yeah. Rugrats passed me by when it debuted in the early 90s. I was a little too old for baby cartoons. I couldn't stand Thank you voices. very much. Uh, adults doing uh, baby voices makes me want to cut myself. And 13 years after the show's finale seems like an odd time for a comic book ra- revival. But bo- revival. Rugrats is back. Rugrats is back, and I couldn't wait to check out this first issue. No, the cartoon is back, too. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's why they're doing it. Oh. Well, there you have it. Yeah. But why did I pick Rugrats number one with all the Marvel Legacy books coming out? I'll give you two words. Box Brown. Yep. Yep. That Box Brown, creator of Andre the Giant, Life and Legend, brings his considerable talent to the world of Tommy Pickles and his friends. Brown's script is an odd examination of the role of modern technology in parenting, nanny cams, home surveillance equipment, even drones. It, it kind of seems like Brown is using a Rugrats comic as his treatise on 
tech culture and privacy issues. Good God. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Whatever he's doing, I hope he finds the answers he's looking for. Good Lord. The art by Lisa Dubois and Eleonora Bruni captures the style of the show while letting their own style shine through. So at least it looks like Rugrats, even if it veers into unfamiliar territory. Hmm. The cute visuals and fun imagination sequences are probably enough to please the little reader in your life. The very puzzling Rugrats number one gets a skim it. I didn't realize it'd be so highbrow. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're obsessed. It's obsessively focusing on like the parents sending text messages Weird. and nanny cams and drones. And yeah, it's bizarre. Rumble. That is your ludicrous speed round and rumble. The sound of Mardok's arrival on Earth, causing the destruction of the Mugs and Jugs strip club, as seen in the pages of Maestros. Number one. This onomatopoeia was submitted by Facebook, via Facebook, by a new-ish listener named Marnie Spielman. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, hit us up on any of our social media or shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Also, if you want to read our full reviews, along with other reviews from the Love Slaves, head over to the review section of TwoHeadedNerd.com. We've got written content for you, and you can use it to tell me just how wrong I always am every week. (laughs) Oh, oh, and they do. (laughs) Well, that was quite the dust up. Matt, we better retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for some refreshments. Mm. While I mix up a couple of heart-shaped herb shakes, our number one... They just taste like dirt. (laughs) Our number one favorite hallucinogenic ingredient on the show. (laughs) Why don't you tell the nerds about your must-read picks for next week? I don't even think it causes hallucinations. No, I don't think so. I didn't didn't say anything about hallucinating. But we are always using the heart-shaped herb to do something about it. Well, we've got a shitload of it we got to get rid of. (laughs) My pick is Black Panther number 166. From Marvel, written by Tennessee Coates, with art by Leonard Kirk. It's 32 pages. It's $3.99. Here's your solicit. Claw stands supreme. Part one. Black Panther's greatest foe has returned. Ulysses claws back and ready for war. Can T'Challa defeat the man who killed his father? All while his country struggles to its feet. And as war looms, Wakanda's gods have disappeared. Enter the originators. The former gods are back. Whoa. But what are their intentions for a land that has forgotten Whoa. them? This is your Marvel Legacy reboot kickoff. With, of course, issue number 166. I mean, it's not a reboot. To confuse everyone. No, I mean, a return to... It's just the next issue of Black Panther. a return to legacy. I don't know. (laughs) Everyone thought Black Panther was ending. Like, they thought number 12 was it. Yeah. Joe, Uh, what's your pick for next week? Real quick, I want to touch on... uh, Black Panther, if uh, the one of my favorite parts of Marvel Legacy number one was the revelation that there is an intergalactic Wakandan empire. Yeah. Because of course there is. That's what this originator's crap. The Wakandans colonized space. Sure. Who knows how long ago? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Or a space colony came and helped Wakanda with their technology. We don't really know. This is where the originators is going to answer. Hmm. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. I, I don't know. I want it to be that the Wakandans are just that good. My pick for next week is Eternity number one from Valiant, written by Matt Kent with art by Trevor Harrison. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. A visionary new series <laughs> from the minds of New York Times bestselling writer Matt Kent and blockbuster artist Trevor Harrison. 
comes an expedition into the unknown. Those weird pauses is where I stopped to skip reading their credits. Oh, okay. Like, Exo Manowar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind Migment. Gotcha. Beyond time, beyond space, beyond reality itself. Eternity awaits. This October, Vian unveils. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Huh? This is the <laughs> next, uh, this is the logical progression of, yes. I assume, Divinity. Yes. Because it's the same creative team. Yep. Uh, I'm excited. I'm all in on Divinity. I love it. It's, it's super my favorite cool. Valiant it's thing. Super freaking cool. It's the only Valiant thing that I'm actually up to date on. That's because you're a jackass. I know. I know. You're a, and a bad comic book nerd. I, I know that. The THN trade of the week goes to Wildstorm, a celebration of 25 years. It's a hardcover. It's from DC. It's written and illustrated by Various. What? It's 240 pages for $29.99. It's hardcover. Yeah. Still, here's your solicit. Still nothing. It's a hardcover. In 1992, Jim Lee changed the course of comics history with the founding of Wildstorm Productions, which would revolutionize the business and launch the careers of so many top creators. Now, the WS crew is back to celebrate 25 years of Wildstorm with new short stories and pinups of the imprint's greatest heroes by their classic creative teams. The short stories include The Authority, a 10-page story written by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch, and Paul Neary, Backlash. This will be the first time we've seen Backlash in I don't know how many years. Yeah. With our, written by Brett Booth, with art by Brett Booth and Norm Ratman. Remember that guy? He's an anchor, yes. He's all over comic books. Death Blow, a three-page story written by Brandon Choi with art by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. I'm curious to see which Death Blow we get here, the new one or the old one. Probably the old one, because they're calling 13. him Death Blow. Okay. Gen 13, a three-page story written and penciled by J. Scott Campbell yeah. that is sure... To freak the hell out of our very own Randy Andrews. He's yeah. going to lose his mind. Majestic, World's End, an eight-page story written by Dan Abnett with art by Neil Googe. I love that guy. I love Majestic. And Wildcats 2.0, a five-page story written by Christos Gage with art by uh, Justin Wynn and Richard Fred. Was Joe Casey busy? <laughs> Joe Casey wrote Wildcats. I know. Up. I don't know. Well, Scott Lobdell started it off. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Exciting. It's, yeah. You know what? I'm definitely in on this because... Uh, while some of these stories are like not necessarily brand new, they might be like older stories that never were published. Right. Like I think this death blow one was originally supposed to, yeah, it was supposed to start the wildcats. Yeah. And I think it was supposed to appear in a different book that never came out. Probably. Uh, but this is a brand new authority story by Warren Ellis and yeah. Brian Hitch. And that's gotta be worth a read. Totally. Uh, no, I'm excited for this. I'm going to pick it up. After you finished your Mystic Breakfast Shakes, let us know what you're reading next week and what you think we should be reading. We say that every week, but yeah. we don't really take that. No, I want suggestions from you guys. <laughs> Tell us what we're missing. Come on. Hit us up on Twitter, at Two Headed Nerd, or our Facebook page, and tell us what you think we should check out. Joe Patrick, it's time to straighten our ties, check our hair, and smear a little hemorrhoid cream under our eyes to hide these damn wrinkles. That's right, nerds! It's time for your two-headed newscaster to hit you with this week's Nerd News! Nerd News. All right. Wow, that was very harmonious. Our first story comes from the Terry Moore desk. Yes, the Terry Moore desk. <laughs> Not really a lot of activity at the Terry Moore desk until now. Terry Moore's epic crime romance, Strangers in Paradise, is set to return for its 25th anniversary in January. I can't believe it's been that damn long. Well, it hasn't been. Right, right, right. It's been 25 years since it's 
debuted. Yeah, still. Yeah. The original series, which followed the lives of best friends and soulmates Francine and Cachu, their friend David, a cast of goofy supporting characters, and Cachu and David's ties to a vast criminal conspiracy, ended in 2007. Moore has kept himself busy with other creator-owned projects like Echo, Rachel Rising, and Motor Girl in recent years, and all of them are wonderful. They are really good. Strangers in Paradise XXV. That's Roman numerals for 25. How do we know? Number one There's hits no way to tell. Of the Romans <laughs> hits stores on January 31st from Moore's Abstract Studios. I forgot both your parents are Roman. Yeah, right. Very thick Roman accents. Yes. Roman accents? Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Here's the solicit. America's favorite couple is back. To celebrate its 25th anniversary, the Eisner Award-winning series is back with an all-new story beginning with this number one issue. Francine and Kachu are living the dream until they learn a former Parker girl is in hiding and writing a tell-all book about the wicked empire Darcy Parker built with Kachu at her side. Determined to stop her, Kachu enlists the aid of her mercenary sister Tamby. I love Tammy. <laughs> and the hunt is on. I love Tammy too. Now, Matt, you and I are both huge fans of the original series. Did you ever expect it to come back? No. And here's what concerns me. It's not that it's coming back. Of course, I want to read this. I'm excited. But a lot like stories like Mage, the hero denied, which is going on right now. I have to wonder, is there still a fan base out there that's going to return to this and make it worth the printing, you know what I mean? Like, are, are they going to make money on this? Is it going to sell? Because it's been a long time. And this was cult stuff 25 damn years ago. Yeah, but I mean... I mean, I'm Terry, hoping for the best. Terry Moore has an audience. He's, he definitely he, does. He has consistent work. He does, but so, he's also talking about how his sales go down, you know, with each that's book. That's true. That's going to be true with any... Of course. Any print comics guy. No, I'm just worried. And I hope, I really hope it's huge. I'm excited to have it back. I just wonder how excited other people are. It's easy to get in our little nerd bubble and go, yay, hooray. You know, let's see how it sells. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the difference between this and Mage, which you brought up, is that Mage never ended. Right. Right. Mage, we got two parts of a trilogy and then we waited for 15 years and then now we're getting the conclusion, hopefully. Right. Um, you know, Strangers in Paradise ended. It, it had a, a definitive ending. They literally closed the door uh, on Ketchu and Francine having a happy life together. Spoilers. You know, there there is the, the whole compelling uh, side with the the Parker girls and and the uh, the political ties and all the sure. criminal intrigue and stuff. And I think that's really the only way you can bring it back is by coming up with a new twist on that because. I think it was just like, uh, here's six issues of Francine and Kachu being totes happy. Yeah. It's nice, but like... No, but Terry Moore, I mean, I'm not worried about it. I'm yeah. not, he's, a, he's very talented. I loved these characters back in the day. I have to see what's going on with them anyway. Bring it on, Terry. Bring it on, Terry. And I hope it's huge. I hope it's a huge hit. I'm not trying to downplay anything. This next story comes from the Celebrities with Multiple Comic Book Movie Credits desk. Josh Brolin has signed a four-picture deal. Yeah. To play Cable. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that Thanos is going to get whacked in the next Avengers movie. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Infinity War Part 1 and whatever the second one is called. Right. For some reason, they said it's not called Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. Yeah, I don't know. So it's Avengers Infinity War and then whatever the fourth one They'll is. They'll probably do Infinity War and then Infinity Gauntlet or something. Or Infinity Crusade. Yeah. Oh, boy. We'll see. Oh, boy. While it's not an entirely... Wow. While it's my not, point is that it's over. Right. Like, they're done with it. While it's not entirely clear what role Cable will play when he makes his debut in the upcoming Deadpool 2, 
Actor Josh Brolin has revealed that the movie is a start to a four-movie arc for the character. He did this in an interview with Collider. Brolin said, I'm not going to tell you how much I'm in the film, but it's his introduction. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, got Thanks, it. Josh. I think we're not trying to hide the fact that this is the beginning of Cable and absolutely not the end. I think when you're sensitive about how you reveal this character, there's a sense of mystery in it. So then... When we finally get into X Force, yeah, which so we knew was happening, dropping bombs. Here. No, no, they knew the X Force movie has been in the works. Okay, you're going to be with this guy full blown all the time. There's a lot to be revealed. There's a lot to be revealed, <laughs> but there's three more movies to reveal more. Mr. Brolin, I'm afraid it's bad news. You've got full blown cable. <laughs> So are we talking cable movies? Are we talking X-Force movies? Well, right. So they're we talking cable and X-Force movies? They've Is only Deadpool going to be an X-Force? So they've only revealed two of the movies, Deadpool 2 and right. X-Force. Uh, so I don't, I can't imagine that they're thinking a cable solo movie. I bet you they're thinking at least X-Force and a, and well, a couple sequels. Uh, let's wait and see what happens with this movie. And that could shift gears real quick. Who knows? Well, Deadpool 2 is not being made by the same guy. I know. Which uh, I, I did not know. He was busy. And it kind of worries me a little bit. Um, but Ryan Reynolds is back. Uh, you've got Z newcomer Zazie, Zazie Beats, which definitely sounds made up. Yeah. As but it's Domino. Su super fun to say. Zazie Beats. <laughs> uh, and this guy, Jack Kesey, is a villain, is playing a villain, and everyone thinks he's Black Tom. What? I don't know. With a sh is he going to have a shillelagh? He better. That shoots lasers out of it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> oh, man. I love Black Tom Cassidy. I hope the Juggernaut shows up. Oh, mm. I guarantee we'll get him again. Right. I mean, maybe not in this film, but I guarantee we'll get him again. Well, if Black Tom shows up, I want the Juggernaut. <laughs> Look, I'm into it. We've already seen the pictures. It looks cool. It should be fun. As long as this movie is as fun as the last Deadpool, I'm going to say there's nothing to worry about. Now, here's my question. Are all these cable or X-Force or whatever movies rated R? Well, I don't, I don't know. They're going to spin out of a rated R franchise. Yeah, but I... It would seem to make sense that they are, right? What's this obsession with making comic book movies rated R? They think that makes more money now. Now that Logan and Deadpool sure, exploded. I, I, mean, I get it. And, and like, I, I, Dead, I like the Deadpool movie just fine. I'm saying it's a question we have to ask with this now. Is it, though? Why? Who cares? Because it sets up for a very different experience. I'll say that. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this hot take. I'm not really interested in an X-Men story that's rated R. Well, that's what we got with Deadpool, and now the cable's in it. No, we got a Deadpool story, and that's different. With some X-Men like, in it. I I, X-Force is different. If it's like, if they're doing like Murder Squad X-Force, eh. No, I got you. I don't think they. If they're I don't doing, think that's if they're they're doing cables, X Force. That's I, why does that need to be rated R? I'm thinking it's going to be way more because well, it's spinning out of a rated R franchise, and I I guarantee they're going to go. We got to do this. Stick with the formula. We're making money. I'm calling my shot. I mean, it's these fine. cable movies are rated R. It's fine, but like D Deadpool aside, Logan is not what I would call a superhero movie, a traditional superhero movie. But it stars it, traditional superheroes, and that's what people think of it. I get it, but I'm saying <laughs> like saying, I don't need a. It's the best superhero movie ever made, <laughs> but not because it was rated R. No, no, it just it happens to be rated R because and it's more violent and whatnot. But that's what Hollywood thinks. Hollywood yes. thinks, oh, people like it because it's rated. That's R. what I'm saying. These are the Hollywood lessons they no, learn. No, but we like it because you told a good story. Yes, and I did want to see Wolverine be more violent. He should have been. But he was. He was. There wasn't. 
the gore in in Logan is not what got that movie an R rating. I guarantee it. No, but it's the first thing that caught people's eye when they went, holy shit, Wolverine is brutal as hell. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying if you didn't have Professor Xavier dropping F-bombs, that movie's rated PG-13. Mm, I don't know. Heads get cut off and stuff. I don't know. Let's get to our final story here. Anyway. From the Samurai Film Desk. Yeah, right. Again, <laughs> not real busy. Seven writer Andrew Kevin Walker has been hired to write a live action feature film adaptation of Kazuo Koiki's. I cannot be saying, saying that right. And Goski Kojima's classic manga, Lone Wolf and Cub. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. The adaptation from Ghost in the Shell producer Stephen Paul was first announced in June 2016. I'll tell you what. Say what you will about Ghost in the Shell. It was totally whitewashed. It was very pretty to look at. That's fine. Holy crap. But along those lines, he said at the time that unlike Ghost in the Shell, Lone Wolf and Cub would comprise an all-Asian cast to reflect the setting in feudal Japan. Well, yes. Because, uh, yeah, that boy, <laughs> wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> like, Tom Cruise is the lone wolf. In yeah, lone right. Wolf Nathan, Nathan Fillion. <laughs> um, and the cub is a hot chick, you know? <laughs> like, what? Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Beyond and Fast and the Furious franchise director Justin Lin. He's a badass. Is also signed on to produce the film. May end up directing as well. Um, Lone Wolf and Cub has no official release date. And here's where I just realized my embarrassing mistake. I was going to ask you, didn't a live action Lone Wolf and Cub movie just come out? And I'd say yes. That was Blade of the Immortal. Yes, one did in 1974. Yeah, but I was confusing (laughs) it with Blade of the Immortal, which uh, is out or about to come out. I don't think it's out. But I mean, it's it's there's some current yeah. like, and so I saw this news. And I'm like, wait a minute, they just made this no, movie. <laughs> no, I love the old Lone Wolf and Cub mangas, and I love the movies. They are very slow, classic samurai films, but they're wonderfully shot. I'm super excited for this. I guess I'm not saying I hope they make it boring, but I hope they don't go for over the top Lone Wolf and Cub action. I hope it is a little more character driven and story-driven like the actual story. You know what I mean? I, and, I'm, and this is not saying... I've anything, never read it. Well, this is not saying anything bad about you know Justin Lin or any of the names of people working on this, but everything that they've been in charge of has been action, 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 action. It included Ghost in the Shell, which looked very good but had its problems. It was still... They took Ghost in the Shell and they made it an action film. And it, Ghost in the Shell is has action. action movie? No, it has action in it, but it's more a story of technology and man you know, coming together. It's more about man's inhumanity to man. I got, I gotcha. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a little worried that they could go the Star Trek route with Lone Wolf and Cub where they should go more of the story samurai route. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, fine. Regardless, I'm excited. Okay. Justin Robert Fletcher viewing us right now. You could just call him Justin Fletcher. Justin he, Fletcher. Not like he hasn't assassinated a president. Justin Robert yet. Fletcher. <laughs> yet. He says he thought Tim Miller left the project due to differences with Ryan Reynolds. I don't know. I have not heard Original director Tim Miller. Oh, I don't know. I have not heard that. Oof. That sounds like rumor. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. I'm not sure. If you know something, Justin, call us and break the story. If you know Tim Miller. Here's how you do it. Have him give us a call. You call us at 402-819-4894, or you press the call now button on our Facebooks. I'm about to open the phone lines. But first, Joe Patrick, reset the question of the week. This question of the week comes from Ziggurat Comptroller and 
last week's guest host, and then, uh, sorry, I, I posted this last week. Okay. This question of the week comes from Ziggurat.com, Troller, and occasional guest host, not Dave DeMarco, Wooly Toots. You yes. know him, you love him, via the THN forums. He asks, quote, I just recently reread Walt Simonson's run on Thor. Issue 380 is the battle between Thor and the Midgard Serpent. The issue is entirely told in splash pages. That issue blew my mind when I was a kid. <laughs> so, what's your favorite or most memorable comic book splash page? Everybody knows what splash page is, right? It, where it's just one piece of art. Yep, one page. Taking up the whole page. You turn the page and kapow! It could be one page, it could be two pages sometimes. It's a whole shebang. So, you've got your question. You've got your news. Joey, open the phone lines! We did it. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who dis? JD, gotta catch them all, your resident dudas priest. JD, jumping right in, throwing himself on the grenade and taking the first call. What do you want to rap about today, buddy? Uh, well, I'll start with the answer of the week. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna cheat. I have multiple. Listen, JD, that's not uh, how we do things. I don't know, JD. I think you get to pick You're your on thin ice, favorite one, buddy. All right, uh, all right. No, no, it's all right. Let's start Pages out. Pages 12. Pages 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and <laughs> next wave number 11. Okay, I see All what you're right. doing. I see what you're doing. All right, this counts. Yes, amazing. Uh, this is like the climactic battle between next wave and the forces of Devil Dinosaur and his army of Modocs. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. It was really something. That was all Stuart Immonen, right? Im Stuart Immonen. Yeah, Immonen. yeah. Imminent. Yeah, and it was early. It was early Stewart yeah, that looked a little bit different than he did in the past. But I also loved the like the the little the little uh, captions at the bottom, like "Next Wave blatantly wasting your money since 2006." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Those always were great. Should only be yeah. Should only be taken on 100 milligram doses and never through the urethra. <laughs> oh. Next yes. wave are in your room and touching your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so tell them about everybody that doesn't know next wave. Give them a, just a brief explanation of what next wave was and why they should read it. Oh God. Uh, I don't know if I could be brief about that. <laughs> uh, next wave is basically Warren Ellis, uh, taking four or five D and D list characters, including machine man and Elsa, Elsa bloodstone. And, Basically, just doing what he, whatever he wanted with the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and it's sort of a snarky takedown of superheroes, featuring oh, some yeah, of like, Marvel's B-list, beloved B-list characters. That is, yeah, Machine like Man, for Dirk, example, Dirk Anger, Agent of Hate. You know, <laughs> it was a great book. Oh yeah, it's not exactly a superhero parody, but he's definitely. I would call it having take. fun with the yeah, concept. It's a takedown. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah a yeah, deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is wonderful. 12 gorgeous issues. It burned bright and oh, then yeah. faded away. Yeah. It was too beautiful yep. for this world. JD. Well, you know, I just, I just think you should leave it alone, but Matt, I, I want to have a talk with you about Michael Cray. Okay. Let's have a talk about Michael Cray. Did you love that book? We're, we're um, speaking about okay. the wild storm, Michael Cray. Yeah. First thing I'm going to get out of the way is I think all three of us can agree that the art was yeah. objectively subpar. It yeah. was, yeah. It was dicey. not good. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Harris looks like he's trying to do a 
it it looks like he was trying to be Matt Kent. Uh, I would say failing. he was trying to be Chris Cross is what I was seeing. Yeah, he was trying yeah, to be very, a little bit of Chris Cross. To be very fluid and sort of animated with the look, but it, it just did not work. And we ended up looking it up characters' out, noses way too much. Right? Yeah, it just came out lumpy. Uh, but as far as the story, I mean, one thing I wanted to, to touch on specifically is your your objection to the inclusion of an Oval, an Oliver Queen. Yes. And I specifically say on Oliver Queen, because this is not your Oliver Queen. It's not my Oliver Queen. It's no one's Oliver Queen. It's, it's Ellis's Oliver Queen. Another Oliver Queen. Yeah. And the reason why I specifically say Ellis versus uh, the, the writer who is uh, Brian Hill. Right. Is because Ellis is this Ellis is the architect of this whole project. Right. He actually discussed and laid out the plot for Brian to flesh out. And I think specifically, I think you and Ellis are on the same side of this Wildstorm DC thing. I think this Oliver Queen, interjecting him into the story this way is his way of basically lambasting and kind of harpooning the whole inclusion of the DC universe in Wildstorm. I think it's a big fuck you to DC going, okay, fine. You want these in the same universe? Well, I'm going to just screw with your characters. I hope you're right. I hope, I hope that's true. I just have this feeling it's, that's not what's going on. And editorial is trying to beef up sales on this by including characters. But you he, know. no, then no, no, they're not trying to, they're not trying to beef up sales. They're not, he's not on the cover. They're not calling him green arrow. That's true. That's true. I'll give you all yeah, that. It's, well, and, and when it's have an you oddity. Ever, when have you ever heard of a project involving Warren Ellis that editorial had any kind of weight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like Warren Ellis kind of steamrolls his way. It has been way. quite a while. I just don't need it. I don't need more <laughs> like, alternate I mean, versions of characters. They, they, are, hey, in, they, are, on, they are on an Earth in the DC multiverse. Sure. It makes sense to me that there would be versions of these characters. So why not, Okay, if you're going to do it, why not make him the old Ollie Queen that we recognize? Old man, hippie Ollie Queen. Because he's a villain. I know. I just don't care. Well, yeah, no, because <laughs> they're also, because the other thing he's also making a comment on, it's definitely, it's also a commentary on Arrow. Because if you pay attention, it's pretty much the same plot. For the first <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, of Arrow, only it, it would be like if Arrow was Malcolm Merlin, you know? Right. No, I'll give you that. I mean, like, he's not far off from the psychotic Arrow we got in the first series. I, I guess I just, yeah. I just don't want it. I want the Wildstorm to be on its own, and I want it to be its contained thing, and I don't need it, and I didn't Man, like it. I really hope Brian Domingo's calls so that he can tell you all, all how wrong you were about the original Death Blow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, your memory is skewed <laughs> of the character. Really? Yeah. He was not Mar but, He was not the Wildstorm Punisher. I mean, he kind of was at first. He was on a oh, kick yeah. murder squad. Yeah, that whole thing, too. He was sent on a covert yeah, I, murder squad to kill people. That was his job. Yeah, he's a government yeah, agent, it, you mean, it, it, right? Yeah. Just like he is in this book. But he was on a government murder well, squad. <laughs> they were black ops well, kill you. They were not good guys. <laughs> but also, Matt, Matt, this is issue one. I know. And it's not titled Death it's not titled whatever his character's name was, Death, Death Blow or whatever. Right. Yeah, like, it's uh, Michael Cray. This is Michael Cray. It's give not it Death a chance Blow. to Give it a chance for him to maybe get there. Maybe I, this is the story of how he gets there. I said this on the Facebook fan group when we were discussing it. Uh, I, I theorized that well, your entire problem with this. JD, I got to let you go because the people are trying to get through, but we'll continue this conversation off the air. Thank you for your call, brother. All right. All See right. You, Talk to you later. 
the entire your entire complaint about this issue is wrapped up in the Ollie Queen shit, and you concocted all of those other complaints. I did not concoct them because I, I don't. How can you love the Wildstorm, which is as different from the old Wildstorm universe as great. you can get? And then hate on this book. Because the characters from the Wildstorm are, while different, they are still very reminiscent no, of the old characters that I love. No, they are definitely not. And this character, I they they definitely are not. wasn't interesting enough for me. It really? didn't grab me, and the art was bad, and I don't need new DC characters, new versions of regular DC characters in the Wildstorm. I don't need it. It makes me care less. Those are valid points, and there's nothing wrong the, with that. The Wildstorm <laughs> characters in the Wildstorm are not super reminiscent of the old Wildstorm characters. They have the same names. They have s the same powers. So, yes, I would say they are. They're mm. updated. Their personalities the are way different. different. The universe is totally different. Totally. It's, it's very different. It's better. I did not feel this book followed, be made the character any better or more interesting. I thought the book was boring and the art was bad. Mm. <laughs> there you go. No. Let's go to Randy Andrews. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, Randy. We'll get to you, buddy. Right now, Speaking of woolly toots, check this out. Thanks for calling THN cover to cover, caller. Introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, it's, it's toots. <laughs> Whoa, toots. <laughs> What's happening, guys? You're having a giggle fit. I love it. Giggle fit. <laughs> What's going on with you? Uh, I'm doing laundry. Somebody puked on my, uh, well, somebody puked and I stepped in it. So I got to clean my uniform before I go to work. Damn it, Sue. Was that so, like uh, <laughs> your kid, a chihuahua, Sue? <laughs> somebody, somebody in our, somebody in our, somebody downtown in the old market. I don't oh, know who it was. Oh, okay. Oh. It was, it Stranger was puke, the worst kind. What do you want to wrap about today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toots? Uh, I got to answer my own question. Answer your question. Let's hear it. And I'm kind of mad you chose it because it's really a tough question. Uh, they're so... <laughs> So much cool stuff out there. I, has anyone even answered it yet? Yes, yes. We just got, we got an answer from Jeff Ketchum, uh, whose answer was the, the series of ridiculous two-page spreads uh, from that issue of Next Wave where they're fighting the hordes of Devil Dinosaur. Oh, right on. So okay. good. Right on, right so on. So good. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Well, uh, okay. So uh, mine is... Seriously, this uh, splash page is embedded in my brain. Like, I... Ever since I first saw it, it's just been stuck there. Um, and and, and uh, I, I can almost remember it vividly. Not all the super details, but anyways. Uh, 1972 comic book, Conan the Barbarian, number 24, page 19, uh, from the story, The Song of Red Sonia. It's the second appearance of Red Sonia in comics ever. To Salvashima? Uh, uh, no, no, it's it's Windsor Smith. Okay, it's Barry Windsor Smith. Okay, uh, when he started to draw Conan, good. Mm -hmm. Like his early issue, he's just trying to ape Kirby, and I don't like it. But anyways, uh, he uh, okay. So they sneak into this palace, and uh, they are grabbing the um, a serpent tiara is what uh, Sonya is after to steal, and uh, she's duped Conan into helping her. And uh, the minute she touches it, it comes alive. And uh, so the, 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 the page is her standing amid this pile of treasure. And she's holding the tiara and there's all this smoke and magic mist and shit going on. And the tiara is morphing into a big gigantic snake. <laughs> and uh, she's like chanting this. Uh, she's chanting. Uh, 
trying to like stop it from becoming alive and she's too late and uh, they got to fight a big snake. It's just a really they have to roll initiative gorgeous <laughs> and they image. have to roll initiative and fight a big snake. Yeah, they got to roll initiative and fight a giant snake. It's awesome. It's, it's seriously one of my favorite images ever. Um, and uh, yeah, that's my answer. That's it. I love that's it. all I got. That's a great answer. It's fantastic. All right. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, like I, I mean, there's tons. I mean, come on, you can't deny the beauty of like uh, the Batwoman series. Oh no, with super crazy pages. Sure, I mean, there's so much to say about flash pages and like, like I said, that Walter Simonson Thor issue where he was like, every page is oh. a splash oh. page. Like, yeah, I love that. I love I, that crap. So, so you, it's funny that you bring that up because. <clears throat> The official Marvel handbook, uh, yeah. one of the earliest issues of that comic that I got before I'd ever, ha- I, I like, I had never read a solo Thor comic book before. Um, it may have been the Book of the Dead. It may not have been because they don't kill the Midgard Serpent, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They kill each other. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, the artwork, the artwork for that uh, entry in the handbook uh all of the other character profiles are contained in boxes, right? They're right. just like right. very static, you know, I'm, full I'm body poses. What talking about here in the Marvel handbook entry for up. the Midgard Serpent, the serpent is breaking out of the page. Oh yeah, that's I'm right. A, and, I'm gonna have to go look that up. Again. And like, I think it carries over to like the next page. Yeah, following. yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, and it freaked me out. I don't know why. It really freaks me <laughs> out as a little serpent. kid. It's bad news, yeah. man. Toots, thank uh, you for your call. Check that out. Yeah, uh, Barry Windsor Smith. I forget how talented that guy is. God damn, he is good. Go check out Barry Windsor Smith, Conan. You'll yeah, yeah. Oh, and hey, man. Oh, speaking of those uh, entries for the official handbook, uh, was that the first handbook or the redo when they did them? Like, no, nah, this was it? deluxe edition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, when. Uh, Going back and looking at those character designs for like Sith and uh, Lorelai, did you guys know that he designed Sith off of um, Sigourney Weaver and Lorelai is Blondie? Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's hilarious. Really? Yeah. Huh. Go look at him again. I yeah. will. He, 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 was, he, he did not feel comfortable drawing beautiful women. So he, yeah. Sigourney Weaver from Aliens and then Blondie from Blondie. Blondie from Blondie. Debbie Harry. Blondie from Blondie. Oh, wait. Oh, you mean Blondie, the comic strip, or Debbie 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 Harry from Blondie, the band? Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry, dude. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Blondie, the comic strip. Well, because, like, like, Debbie Harry is not called Blondie. And Loki's fashioned after Dagwood. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Nice. Totally. Thank you for your call, too. It's always good to hear from your buddy. Later. Later. No, no. Loki's based off of the Wizard of Id. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wizard of Id. All right, let's get to this Randy Andrews call. I feel bad. We keep trying. He keeps getting interrupted. Hello, this hey. is Randy Andrews, Hello. and I am calling in for the question of the week. Poor guy forgot and how to do it. This week you talked about splash pages that you remember very fondly. I have dogs fighting in the background, <laughs> and they're being very wild. Randy, you're not supposed to bet so, on stuff like that, okay? The splash page <laughs> that I really think about that is so epically awesome is the splash page 
from the Infinity Gauntlet. It is like Michael Vick's house uh, over there. Listen issue to this. That is entitled Astral Conflagration, where we see Thanos and Mephisto and Nebula oh, yeah. standing on his throne area, and he's facing all the uh, elementals or celestials that are existing. Such as Galactus and the Champion. Yeah, the Cosmic Beings. the uh, Lord Chaos and all these other entities. The, the Cosmic Embodiments. That are in existence. And it's just such an epic-looking, cosmic, epic... <laughs> I just can't say it enough because it's so <laughs> incredibly awesome. Randy, yes, you might want to get out of there, And my dogs are man. still fighting. Anyway... That's my answer this week, guys. Hope you like it. Please check out my new podcast called The Gen 13 Files. I hope you enjoy it. And until next time, bye for now. Randy, we got good news for you. Check out <laughs> next week's pick for oh, Trade of the Week. Oh, buddy. Uh, Randy and I talked briefly on Facebook this week, and he was very concerned uh, he wanted to make sure that I knew that the dogs were only playing. Oh, I don't know, man. I think he's the <laughs> official THN dog fighter now. <laughs> we should we should hire Randy to be the Moloid trainer. Or he could just he could just hurt him with his vicious dogs. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Herd, not hurt. Right. Herd. Well, yeah, we're not about hurt, hurting yeah. dogs. We no, but we are about hurting moloids. Yeah, fuck all, those guys. Always a pain in the ass. <laughs> we're still taking your calls, kids. And uh, oh, no. JD Ketchum said uh, in the video chat that Randy's call freaked out his own dog. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, we still want to talk about the Daredevil trailer that hit this week. It from, wasn't a trailer. Well, it was, yeah. It was an animated GIF. Yeah. Let's talk about it real quick. Okay. And if okay. somebody wants to call about it again. Yeah, yeah. We got Netflix, Daredevil, season three. So oh. the official Daredevil Twitter account tweeted out a an animated GIF that was um, like a funeral bullet program, you know? Like Something. when you go to a funeral, it's like in loving memory of Matthew Murdoch. Right. Um, and it, it transitioned from um, English text to Braille, which was very clever. Um, but the text that accompanied the image uh, said, I'm fine, which is stupid. It should have said born again because yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah, it's totally terrible born again, right? Yes. I mean, that... So spoilers for Defenders at this point. They're t- talking about Daredevil Season 3 now, so we're getting into it. Yeah. Uh there's the climactic battle. De- uh, Daredevil is presumed dead. Daredevil and Elektra are caught in the cave-in. Uh, they're presumed dead. And then at the very, very end of Defenders, you Here's see... everything you need to know whoa, from whoa, Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wow. <laughs> I was looking at this guy telling me everything I need to know from the teaser. Oh, yeah. And there, uh, at, the, at the very, very end, you see a battered and bloody Matthew Murdoch uh, stirring in uh, the, the bed of a hospital wing of a convent. And one of the nuns says, get Sister Maggie, he's waking up. And if anybody knows anything about Daredevil, yeah, it's that baby. Daredevil's mom yeah, buddy. left them when he was a kid and became a nun named Maggie, Sister Maggie. Yep. And this is almost certainly leading to Born Again. The Jessica Jones show set up Nuke, who is uh, one of the main uh, characters in Born Again. Yeah. Uh, Kingpin. The only thing missing is like drug-addled <laughs> porn star Karen Page. Uh, she, well, maybe she'll get there. We I don't, don't think so. No. <laughs> 
But yeah, they're doing Born that Again. That would be great if they just like yeah. ran off with Karen's <laughs> character and they're like, oh, <laughs> she starts using heroin. Yeah. And how is she going to pay for it? Porn. You're right. <laughs> and she, yeah, she sells Daredevil's secret identity to the Kingpin. Sure. Uh, in exchange for whatever, drugs. Daredevil always had really bad luck with the ladies. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, so this this funeral placard was really clever, and then the text said, I'm fine. It's such a missed opportunity. You should have yeah. said born again. Totally. Totally. Uh, it looks cool, though. I'm into it, yeah. Yeah. I will say Daredevil, for me, was the best part of the Defenders. Daredevil and Jessica Jones, for sure. Without a doubt. All right, we got a call coming in. Enough of this crap. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who dis? Jeff Hitz. Jeff Hitz. Hey, Jeff. You sound like you're indoors for a change. I am indoors for change. That's awesome. And uh, half the kids are gone. The little ones are playing with Legos, and I'm listening to uh, lovely creatures on my my, uh, record player. Very nice. There you go. What do you want to rap about on this peaceful Saturday morning at the Hit House? So so I want to talk about two things. I'll I'll go quick. First of all, the, the New Mutants trailer. Yes. I don't, I'm not a horror fan. Okay. So I'm just going to put that out there. So like if there's tropes from other horror movies and stuff like that, that are in the trailer, I wouldn't necessarily know. Right. That being said, I am convinced that the whole thing is Danny, Danny Moonstar's powers, not a true haunted house. Could be. She is Mirage. That's her, that's her jam. Exactly. She makes you see the things you fear. Yep. And so I think what it'll be is all the different things that they're afraid of. That's a better conspiracy theory out. than mine, where I was like, they're trapped in like a mine prison for like Celine or something. Yeah, like I that. think. Yeah, and and I thought that it was really obvious that they were mutants because like they had that whole conversation about, you know, the younger the younger snake is more dangerous than the old ones because they don't know how to control their venom. Yeah, definitely. she's more dangerous because she doesn't understand how to use her powers. Huh? Well, so it, they, I, uh, the doctor asks, "Do you know what a mutants are? Right? Do you know what a mutant is?" Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um. But yeah, I see, and like, I guess my mind never actually went to like, my mind never went to oh, they're actually in a haunted house because it's a it's an X Men movie right yep it doesn't you know, have to be super da- it doesn't have to be a right. monster to still be scary um it did and not occur to me that with- mirage would be there but she is there yeah she's definitely there they show a little native american girl that oh. is definitely danny moon and i looked it up on imdb i am so pleased that the that the uh the older brother from stranger things is the is cannonball oh is that who it is yes well, and, oh. yeah and the doc and the, and the doctor is cecilia reyes right. yeah that's weird like that. yeah because she, so, said, that's why she I don't seems think, evil I don't <laughs> I don't think they would make her evil. I think it's I think it's actually something different than what we think it is. It's all a trick. They had like scenes of like yeah, they had scenes of like cannibal in like the mines and having the miners come after him and stuff like that. Right. I oh, think they're yeah. gonna hew really Yeah, I think they're gonna hew really close to the origin. Maybe. Um and so yeah, I, I think we're gonna be I think we'll be presently surprised at this is actually going to be pretty faithful I hope to the so. characters and who they are. I hope so. so. Um, um, new I, Mutants, New Mutants One will be this horror movie uh, that ends with mm-hmm. the revelation that Mirage is out of control, and they have to do yep. whatever they can to help her and save the day or cut her head off. Uh, and yep. then that means that New Mutants Two, <laughs> okay. 
New Mutants mm-hmm. 2 is a fun-loving, rollicking teenage adventure movie. <laughs> yeah. Because they like solved a, like, the, a, like a breakfast club. Yeah, yeah or like, like the like Goonies. With the, it with opens the up with baseball at the, at the <laughs> right. X Mansion. So like, well, yeah, they, the, director, <laughs> the director says he wants to have Warlock and Karma. Warlock and Karma. Yeah. But like oh, they they say they so they much. cracked the they cracked the mystery of the haunted house asylum. Why would the second one also be a horror movie? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if it, like it was like basically like New Mutants meets Scooby Doo. That would be fine. I'd yeah, be fine oh, I'm into that. Fair enough. All right. What's well, your other thing? I like the, the conspiracy theory. That was good. The the other thing I was going to say is, is equally important is I I read your review of uh, Thor 700. Okay. And I could not agree with you more. Yeah. This was the best anniversary issue that Marvel's done in years. And it felt like an old school Marvel anniversary issue. It really did. Every, it just felt like was Jason so Aaron great. gushing, just his heart exploding with how much he loves Thor. And, yes. and the guy can't stop telling these amazing Thor stories. And he has no plans to stop anytime soon. Yeah, I hope that's I, true. I, 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 I thought it was really telling that any one of those major threads he told could have been a, an entire issue in itself. Like Absolutely. the Galactus, the Galactus ego fight. God, that was so cool. Was, <laughs> was, I would, I would read that. I would have read, I would have read a hundred issues of them fighting and he did in four panels. What, what could, what other authors would have done in an entire book. Yeah. Like the ego, the necro, necro planet is Ooh. my favorite new character. Hey, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> I don't care. If you haven't read the comic. That's been, been tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I'm, I don't, I don't work for the podcast. I say what I want. Fair enough. Um, oh man, we can't, <laughs> uh, we can't contain you. I get it. Like, sorry, folks. Yeah, but and and that splat <laughs> exactly, and that splash page uh, again with the spoiler of of Thor and the, and whatever he's holding in his hand. Man, and and did, and did you notice that the the Uru arm is changed too. Yes. He had a new arm and a golden hammer. I know. The what the hammer. hell is that? <laughs> I need to know. I don't know. I'm is. telling you the, I told you the three page, the three page backup in Avengers. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 here's get caught up on what the Avengers are. The, right. the legacy pages. Sure. Showed both Thor's. Yep, and they both had Mjolnir's. Is it War Thor? No, okay. It was like no. Odin's son Thor in his current outfit with the short hair. Oh, and Jane Foster. Yeah, it was the unworthy yep. Thor and the mighty Thor, and they both had Mjolnir's. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I yeah. Don't know. I, and I don't think I don't think it's Mjolnir because I think if, if if you're reading Thor, Mjolnir's sentient in some way, sort of. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah she talks like, to it and stuff, like, right? Well, I don't know if it, if she, if Mjolnir is sentient or she just is using it a different way. Because she is a woman. Well, no, she and talks she's thinking to it. about it. it, ta- it, ta- it she talks. She talks to it, and it responds to her. And you had the same thing in Marvel Legacy, where Mjolnir was fighting Odin's control, and he was like going to break it. Yeah, I think. I think there's. I think we're going to find out that Mjolnir is, in some ways, has some ability to choose it, who it wants to be with. Okay, it Ooh. chooses who wields it, and it doesn't want to be with the Odin's. Like son. it chooses who it is wants worthy. To be with, Exactly. It wants to be with Jane. And like the whole you're worthy or whatever, like I, I think it's, it's, you know, like, yeah, I don't want to take it too far. Yeah, I got another right call up. coming it's, in, it's, Jeff. Yeah, I'll let you guys go. All right, buddy. Really great. Have fun, guys. Bye. Talk to you later. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? 
Oh, sick. I made it. Sick. Yeah, you did it. It's Bobby. Bobby the nitpicker. Yeah. Bobby. How uh, did you know? Oh, I don't know. It's because you just had that little excited growl that you always do. <laughs> Is it my heavenly voice? Yes. It's the dulcet <laughs> tones of Bobby the nitpicker. Bobby, Bobby's got something on his mind today. Let's talk, Bobby. All right. Well, I don't want to talk if you guys have seen it. Have you seen Blade Runner 2049? I have seen Blade Runner 2049. And it leveled me. I have not, but that's okay. I, I only just saw Blade Runner, the first one, for the very first time. I was not last prepared week. for how beautiful it was. It blew me away. It is the best movie of the year. It, hands down, it absolutely head. is. And I think it's going to win Academy Awards and shit. And then people are going to go, okay, I need to see this movie. Because for some reason, America it went, flopped. Yep, no thanks. Yep. America turned its nose <laughs> up at Blade see, Runner. I was screw that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go see the new Medea Boo movie instead. Happy Death Day. <laughs> well, I mean, that looks good, too, obviously. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm glad to have Medea back scaring me for Halloween. What did you... So you loved it. Oh, I loved it. But, I mean, I could nitpick uh, just one thing that really I didn't like. Okay. Let's but, hear it. Uh, no, I don't want to spoil it for you. I've got to hear it. I've got to hear your nitpick. Come on. Uh, Come so here on. it is. Uh, <laughs> I don't think much convincing. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, if you're listening, just stop listening if you haven't seen Plug it. Plug your ears. Uh, Throw your phone in the toilet. That's yeah. what we like to say. So Ryan Gosling's character, he thinks he's the child of the two right. uh, replicants. Right. But in the beginning, he fights Dave Bautista, and he clearly has, like, double the strength of the next generation of the replicants. So why would he have that strength if he was the baby of two replicants? Well, here's the thing. Is he the child of two replicants? Did they spell that out, or is he the child of a well, human? Well, that's what he was thinking, but it was is he the, the child girl of a human replicant union? Because they never told us. They never came out, and they never say Harrison Ford but, Deckard is a replicant. I don't think he is. I think he's human. Right? Why is he aging? I Why is he, he is Ridley Scott says he's not. Ridley Scott says he's a replicant. Ridley Scott also ruined Alien, so I don't trust him anymore. <laughs> Ridley Scott <laughs> is the creator of Blade Runner. Replicant have double strength. I don't. I mean, I can't answer that. Does he have double the strength, or do, I mean, is he designed I mean, he that care way? Of Dave Batista so easily. I, he did handle the beast Batista pretty easily. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, I guess I should start fighting you back." And no, took him out. I did. I wanted the Batista to give him the Batista bomb through the wall so bad. <laughs> I was like, "Do I it, wanted do him it, to do be it." In the movie longer. I did too. He was great. His character was awesome. Yeah, and yeah, he's Loved literally it. there for like five minutes. So okay. I mean, so that's. They don't address Deckard's shit at all. They, I mean, they address the character, I mean, the but they don't ever say he is human or he is a replicant. That is left for our interpretation. But he's we don't know. Old, but he is old. Now yeah. that doesn't mean that they can't program replicants to age, because. But he did say that he was one. When did he like say he that? He mentioned to Ryan Gosling that they hunted them down. That's why he was worried about Ryan Gosling first being there. But did he mean they hunted oh. them down because he's a replicant, or they hunted them down because he was with helping a replicant escape, and he went rogue? I mean, he's not saying, yeah, I, I am a replicant. I guess I just wish he wasn't in the movie at all. Like, he wasn't needed, I guess, in, except for marketing. Like, he's oh, barely in it. I really, I really liked how they used him, though, as, like, as this story foil where the whole time we're following Ryan Gosling, but truly this story is not about him. This story is about what happened, you know, 20 some years ago 
with yeah. Harrison Ford. I mean, and oh man, it was so well executed. I want to go see it again uh, right does now. Does Jared Leto have a hologram girlfriend? No. Does Ryan Gosling have a hologram girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> there yeah. we go. I knew it was somebody. But like everybody has access to it. It's like you can buy a hologram girlfriend. Oh, and okay. she just like hangs yeah. out and says nice stuff to you, and stuff, you it's know. like it's like it's a real uh, Archer situation, Doctor Krieger situation. Sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. Krieger-san, <laughs> Bobby, thank you for your call. Yeah. And, and, oh wait, wait, I had one oh, question. Oh, for yeah, you yeah. Guys. Hit us, hit it's us. Time. This is my question for you guys. Okay. Uh, as a Patreon supporter, no big deal. All right. Uh, I feel like people don't appreciate how much work it seems that you guys put into the show. So I was just wondering if you could do like a quick rundown of what you do because it seems like there's a script that you guys have to create sure who boy it's like there's a lot of things you do before the show that i don't think people truly appreciate yeah i'll run through it uh, real quick this is how i'll put that off the air or should i uh, we'll do it off the air just in case somebody else calls but i'll, I'll do okay. it real quick here thanks for bringing that up by the way bobby yeah good and All good right. to talk to you like, every, like every good patreon supporter always supporting the cause <laughs> so basically our week starts like this uh, Joe shoots me a message or I shoot him a message that says, I just started a new list of books we're going to review. He picks five. I pick five. We go through, we start reading our books. Sometimes we argue about what books we're picking. Oftentimes we do because Joe likes to steal all the good stuff. And False. I go that through. That is a blatant falsehood. We pick our the books we're going to read next week, the, the week following, like our picks yeah. of the week. We pick a trade of the week. From there, we start writing the script, which begins with the intro, of course, some jokes here and there. We write all of our reviews. Some of those reviews are a little longer, and we post the extra stuff on TwoHeadedNerd.com. From there, we get ready to get together. We're tweeting all week about news for you guys to respond to on this show and preparing our thoughts on the news and whatnot. So there's research that goes into it. What was this actor in? What did this artist write? Stuff like that. From there, we sit down Saturday morning and pound out this show and we're right now you're seeing a portion of it teach and cover to cover where we interact with you mm -hmm. and this is only the end segment before this we've recorded the first half of the show which i go through add music to edit smash together take out all the burps and fart noises and whatnot sometimes we leave them in we'll leave a couple here and there and then i edit the whole second half of the show which is this call-in portion and from there, it's mixed, it's mastered. <laughs> I send it to Joe, and uh, Joe posts it on the internet. You should tell them about last week's show where we were, um, where we edited it, where we recorded it in a weird order, and we kept getting calls as we were recording. Oh, and God. so we were like, I guess we'll put this call on a third track. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then you edited it all together seamlessly as though it happened in order. Right. When in reality, nothing ever happens in order. No, it's all over the place. Two weeks ago, we did record the entire show in order from start yeah, to finish. Yeah, like by, mis by accident. That was a fucking miracle. It was the happiest accident ever. The entire process, the entire two-hour show, or an hour and a half show, probably takes like 15 hours worth of work. Oh, well, more than that, I'll bet. Uh, yeah. Well, at least 30, probably. Yeah. All uh, I remember our biggest... Not the, counting reading the comics. Right. <laughs> one of the biggest old show searches we had on SEO terms was Horny Dads. Horny Dads. <laughs> yeah, we titled this show. Holy hell, that got searched like we, crazy. We titled the and episode of one show Horny Dads. Everybody that found it by searching Horny Dads was probably super pissed at us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, um, Matt, Matt writes... The the script hey, portion, Dylan. all the all the jokes and japes and goofs, the, those are Matt's. The goofs. Uh, all of the news I write, yep. and we each write our own reviews. Yeah, so it's crazy. Um, it's yeah, truly collaborative. But and it's a labor of love. Very fucking lengthy. Like we used to get in fights, mainly me, because 
I'd show up on a Saturday morning. This was back when we were like punishing ourselves. Yeah. And we would spend six hours. Oh my God. Working on the show. And it was just, I couldn't do it. Like my wife was going to leave me. <laughs> I was like, I got it with something that needs to change. Um, and that's when we started doing the answer of the week and started making yeah. it a little bit more participatory streamlining. Yeah. Letting so you jerks do the work. We do it because we love it, but it is a tremendous amount of work. All right. Yeah. So, so. there you go. Now, nobody anyway, cares about this. Long story short, we're great. You should give us some money. There you go. Thanks. Cause we need it. And we're Poe. Let's go to James Kaplan. Love this guy. Hey, Joe and Matt, James Kaplan here with an answer to the question of the week on most memorable splash pages. There are lots of great pages over the years, of course, but the one that really came to mind for me is Fantastic Four 601. And this is in the middle of Jonathan Hickman's epic run on the book. And this issue is illustrated by Steve Epting, fantastic artist. And um, this splash page is the return of Johnny Storm, or particularly when the rest of his team gets to finally see him and realize that he's alive. So he had died about a year before in the comics. And of course, comic book deaths are pretty cliche at this point, but his was heroic and emotional and memorable. And uh, his return, you know, everything is terrible at the moment. The Kree are invading, the annihilation wave is coming. Um, you know, everything's awful. And um, the rest of the team, Reed and Sue and Ben, they look up at the sky and they're wondering, is it him? And then you finally turn to the next page and see what they're looking at. And it's a big four with a circle all around it made of flames in the sky. And it's just this amazing beacon of light and hope and a signal that, you know, Johnny's back and there's hope and the team's coming back together. And it's just a great emotional moment. And if anyone hasn't read that run on the book, seriously, stop what you're doing. Uh, go read it right now. It is epic. Uh, all right. Thanks. It is. And that was a hell of a moment that he's right. Comic book deaths are completely cliched. I would argue that Hickman did a wonderful job of the death of the human torch and yeah. the return really did. Well, and really you knew, didn't you know, maybe it was an, maybe it was an issue 601. I'm trying to remember if FF or um, issue 600 was the death and then it became future foundation. Yes. Well, so, yeah. So it wasn't just like one month. Hold on. We'll get back to this. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who dis? Hey guys, this is Ethan. What's up, Ethan? How Ethan. you doing? Doing good. Just cleaning my house while I listen to you jokers all morning. Hey, it's got to be done. That place is a pigsty. I'm glad you're getting to it. All right. What do you want to wrap up? Oh, man. <laughs> I got two two short things, okay? So right. one, with the splash pages, I was trying to figure that out, and I'm like, you know, going to have to go with my favorite artist with uh, Sean Gordon Murphy and Tokyo Ghost. There's, uh, I think it's issue two, there, there's this big chase scene that they're running through Tokyo through this forest and you turn the page, it's this giant two page splash where they're leaping off this ledge and it's just Tokyo completely like covered in vegetation. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. man, yeah. just like the way it was paced out, you had that, the fast pacing, you open it up and it, you just got that sense of them like slowly 
like flying through the air and like the detail in there. Like I just spent minutes pouring over all the detail that he put in. It's yeah. Sean Murphy amazing. Drew the hell out of that book. It was incredible. That's actually probably one of my favorite uh, books that he's ever done. I really liked it a lot, I, I but I'm also a huge about Tokyo fan. Ghost. Tokyo Ghost was great. It just kind of went away it or was. did it end? Did it have a proper ending? I think it ended. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's, it it's was over. like slightly open. It's slightly open for them to come back. Um, cool. But I doubt they ever will. Right. But yeah, they closed it up. I have not finished it. I need to read the last two issues, but I did really enjoy it. Beautiful. What right, was the second so the thing? The other thing I wanted to uh, bring up, it's a, it's a little a pet peeve, little nit nitpick for me. So Tom King's Batman run right now, I don't know how to feel about it. Okay. Because I like him. I think the run is kind of like so-so, like nothing hits me very well. I'm like, all right, that was all just kind of okay. But <laughs> I don't mind the Catwoman Batman thing, which people don't like that they're <laughs> setting up this re- like relationship. But she said, yes, they call each other Puke. cat. They call each other cat and oh, bat. I hate that. Back yeah. and forth. Yeah. And I cannot stand it. It's stupid. Batman I hate that. does not have pet names for I hate people. that almost as much as I hate Lois Lane calling Clark Smallville. Yeah. I hate it. stupid. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Tom Taylor is... M- Tom King. Pardon me. Tom King is messing with us right now. Like, do you... And, uh, with the relationship? Well, not just the relationship, but even the tone of his run seems to have changed. And... I don't know. What do you mean? I mean, like the tone of the run has all of a sudden gotten not like lighter, but yeah, lighter. I would say, like something strange well, is we've going gone on, on. We've gone on to a new story. Yes, but I feel like he that might be messing war with of us. jokes and riddles thing was like I was like get it over with. Yeah, <laughs> it started really strong. I will say that. Yeah, it started I, very strong. I kind of fell off, to be honest. I, I really liked the first few, especially the kite man issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did. Yeah, I was that like, was all fine, right, but it was four issues of kite man. I was like, okay, well, yeah, cool. right, like, right. Dude, one or two. Fair enough. Sure. I don't know. I feel like he might be messing with us. I'm what hoping. Does, he's what does that mean? Us. What do you mean messing with? Well, us? first of all, I don't want the two getting married. That's they're just not going to get married. They're now. not going to get married. We know no. that. But I feel like they're going to reveal that something is going on. Like maybe none, this is not reality. Something no, it's on. reality. I they're, don't know. I feel like there's something funny going on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I. I hope I get why people don't like the idea of them getting married, but I don't understand why people complain so much about them setting up story that's obviously going to be like worked out. Yeah, like, like let them go on the journey. What's story. the problem? What do you want them to do? Yes, no. exactly, Ethan. I, exactly. I, I gotcha. I just don't think it would ever even get to this place. That's that's where I'm. That's why I'm hoping he's messing with me. Yeah, but you know what? We've talked yeah. about this. Your view of Batman and what Batman should be is different than what my view of Batman is. And I get what that. I think Batman should be. I get be. that, but your view of Batman is lame. And probably different than what Tom King thinks Batman <laughs> should be. <laughs> and I've been reading Batman comics well, for longer than you. So that's true. But there's also like what the character is doing right now, has been doing for the last five, ten years. And would this work with his character? I'm saying no. I'm saying no. Well, if you guys could call Tom King up and just tell him to stop having them go cat and bat back and yeah, forth. I'll send him a, that is dumb. I'll send him a text. Forever that is grateful. dumb. I don't need bat. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit him up on his celly. You guys, you can start calling Robin Robbie right. soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come here, little Robbie. No, you knucklehead. You know, get him noogies. <laughs> all right, Ethan, it's good to talk to you, man. All right, have a good weekend, man. You See, too. Bud. Clean up that damn house, all right? So back to James's call. I can't recall... Uh, wasn't it very apparent 
in issue 600 that he wasn't really dead, or did they not reveal that till 601? I think it was... was that it? he They kept rebuilding him. The Annihilus Wave kept rebuilding him with their bug guts. I believe the end of 600, like the very last page, we caught a glimpse, but the team didn't know that he was alive, that there was something going on like that. I think- or maybe the gate closes and he's still alive. Yeah. Like, it's the last stand of Johnny Storm. There's no way he's getting out of it, but you don't yeah. actually see him get killed. It was something along those lines. I think, I think it's that. Yeah. I, I think that the negative zone gate closed, and he's like, the horde is there. Right. And there's no way he's going to make it, but you don't actually see him bite it, which immediately makes me suspect. Right. Um, and then, yeah, 601, they, they reveal, like, on page one, they keep rebuilding him with bug guts. Gross. <laughs> it's gross. Gross. Uh... Yeah, James, great answer, buddy. Yeah, I love that it. was. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll get back to this. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, uh, this is John Bunger. What up, John Bunger? Hey, hey is this John. first time caller, John uh, Bunger? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Joe. Uh, good work on uh, on uh, the Inktober stuff so far, man. Hey, Matt, oh, thanks. I, Thank I, just, I just, I just. I just need one thing, man. Um, yeah. I need a name for an NPC, like, right now. Okay, a name for an NPC. Give me something about him. Give me some detail. Uh, it's a magic user who uh, has, a, has a little problem in the bedroom. A magic user with a little problem in the... Okay, uh, let's go with... Huh. I'm gonna say what's his what's his what's his, what's his and he has a screaming child. What's his good lord? <laughs> wow, Franklin! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you have to hold that kid underwater to settle him down? Lincoln, Lincoln, settle down, good lord! What's your character's charisma? Give me his charisma. Uh, eight. Eight. So it's pretty That's low. That's high, isn't it? No. 30 was high. <laughs> 8 out of 20. Yeah, yeah. 8 out of 20. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. So let's go with Marduk McFartwormer. All right. He's got an... Untra- Mar- Marduk, Marduk McFartwormer. McFartwormer. Yeah. He's got a tragic last name. People always tease him about it. Made him kind of a jerk. That's why it's charisma low. And that psychology... I think he's related. Is I think he's related to somebody. We've- that <laughs> also affects uh, his libido, you know? Uh, Patrick Cavanaugh. Okay. Patrick Cavanaugh <laughs> in the video chat suggests Yorman the Wandless. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Y o e r m a n Yorman the Wandless. <laughs> See, now I was going to tie him into another character that we also know, another McFartwormer. But you know, I don't know what you're talking about. The whole family of damaged McFartwormers. I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. Why don't you tell us what you're talking about? Oh, John Bunger and I play. Uh, what is our show called? TPK Buffet. Yeah, it's, that's, a, uh, it's not it's not out yet. It's not out yet. It's going to be a thing. Some. It's a real play podcast called TPK Buffet. Myself, John Bunger, Wooly Toots. Uh, what's our buddy from Portland's name? I can't remember his name. Uh, Jason Farrell. Jason Farrell. And then, of course, uh, we've got another John from Burt Wieners, but we don't need to go into him. Yeah, know. we don't need to talk about that guy. <laughs> but we all get together. I don't know how he wormed his way into that. No. We do a real play thing <laughs> where we kill the entire party every episode. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. It's great. And John- Matt has named every character. I have named he them all. The and uh, they're, I'm not going to spoil any of the names, but they're glorious. I'll say that. So you went out and started a new podcast without telling me? I just sit there and record it. I told you we were playing, and you were like, oh, I'm too tired. I didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't yeah, say yeah, anything yeah. like that. Quite, in fact, I think you openly wept. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, John, do you know somebody named Paul Goebbels? Yes, I do. I went to high school with him. Paul is watching right now, and he says, Bunger is my Game Boy for life. There you go. Yeah. Johnny, thanks for the call. Do me a favor. Spank that kid, all right? 
Oh, yeah. All Tell right. him enough's on, enough. On, on the book. On the book. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll talk to you later, brother. Just kidding. All right, later. Bye, John. <laughs> yeah, uh, when we first played, I was a little in my cups, and I realized that you could go in and mess with other people's character sheets <laughs> on Roll D20, so I just named everybody. <laughs> oh, they were boy. like, oh, my God, what is that what you hit? And Jared's like, no, I didn't name your character. I don't know how that happened. And I was just oh. sitting there laughing. It was great. Let's get back to Willowa. All right, she's got theme music, and it's awesome. We're going to back it up. We're going to do this again. She makes beats. Willowa here, calling in about splash pages this week. I feel a little underqualified for this week's question, since I'm not nearly as well-read as most of those other listen nerds out there. Aside from the giant alien squid reveal in Watchmen, I thought I had nothing. And let's face it, that one goes without saying. Another answer did come to mind, though. It's been a while since I've read them, but I remember the splashes in Blade of the Immortal that Oof. were really dynamic, expressionistic pages that represented some insane out. action sequences in which Manji eviscerates, decapitates, or otherwise kills another evil man on his way to 1000. These really showed me what comics can do and has always stuck with me. And just as a reminder, the live-action adaptation is out in a few weeks and it looks insane in all the right ways. Nobody does wholesale slaughter like Mike. That's it for now. Later, Gators. Yeah, uh, Takashi Mike is directing that movie. He is a well-known Japanese director who specializes in blood, gore, and the bizarre. And I think his Blade of the Immortal movie is going to be awesome. And the art on that old series was beautiful manga work. I I met Blade of the Immortal when DC started publishing it. Or pardon me, Dark Horse started publishing it. And it had been published as, you know, huge manga versions for a long time. So I was late to the party, but it was really, really good stuff. Willowa, thank you for your call. Damon Chan, where have you been? Damon Chan? That's a name lost to the ages. I thought he was dead. I thought he got lost on the mean streets. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) Damon, call us back. We have no idea what's going on in Brooklyn right now. You realize? No clue. All right, let's go to another voicemail here while we're waiting for a call. Oh, let me turn that ringer back on. I didn't want to interrupt Willowa. I love her weird little march music. It's awesome. (laughs) 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 It's great. We got a voicemail here. Damon says he was on assignment. Oh. I don't know what that means, but it sounds mysterious. Whoa, I want to hear about this. Hey, nerds. It's BS3. How's it going? Uh, I was going to call in with an answer to the question of the week on splash pages. I had that... The iconic image that's haunted me and defined a character in Thor number 362. Uh, I remembered the Scourge, the Executioner, swinging a machine gun, fighting alone against hordes, and it wasn't a splash page. I pulled it out to look at it, and I can't believe it wasn't a splash <laughs> it's page. It's just a panel. It's got half of one page with him swinging away. The other four panels have him fading away. It's such a great, great page. It, uh, it just doesn't count. And everything else I wanted to submit just doesn't hold a candle to that sequence. So uh, rather than throw you, you know, some Kingdom Come image or a JSA roster page, I'm just going to pour one out for the big man Scourge. Um, yeah. Well, um, that, that's it, really. But before I go, I want to give my sincere thanks to you guys for the review that you gave of that Flintstones title. 
Uh, I picked up a trade last week and it has haunted me since. <laughs> it affected me. I mean, like yeah. deep, soul crushing, knock you down feelings from a Flintstones title. Yeah, Didn't man. think that was possible. So, um, happy Halloween. Enjoy your EC comics. Uh, beware the Crypt Keeper and I'll talk to you guys soon. Adios. Happy Halloween to you, BS the three. And, uh, and I'm glad we could set you up with some Flintstones. You guys can call us whenever you want and say, Matt, Joe, what should I be reading? And the comic pushers will take over. Yeah. And we'll tell you exactly what you should be reading. Oh, hey. oh speaking of calls. That's good timing. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who dis? It's Allison. Allison. <laughs> Hello. How are you today, dear? Oh, just at work. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Well, I'm glad you're wasting some company time. What do you want to rap about? Um, I guess I'll talk about the splash faces. Okay. I didn't uh, interrupt anyone's call, did I? I no. tried to wait. No, no, like, I thought they were at the end. You nailed it. That was perfect. <laughs> I, I tried. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of cheating, but I wanted to talk about J.H. Williams' uh, Sandman Overture. I feel like every page was a splash page in that. <laughs> kind of, right? It kind of was. <laughs> But I mean, that's kind of how he, that's kind of J.H. Williams. That's how he works, you know? Yeah. Each, each page is its own singular work of art as opposed to six or nine right. small pieces of art. Was there a specific page that just knocked your socks off? There's one in the, the first issue. I don't even really remember it, but it was like a, the page layout was like the, the guy who eats eyeballs and it was just like yes. his teeth and eats teeth. The Corinthian. <laughs> oh. It was so disturbing and cool and just beautiful to look at. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and even though he works so much with color, that page was black and white, and it was just uh, so captivating. I remember just staring at it for a while. Oh, this is really good. J.H. Williams <laughs> won an Eisner for that, didn't he? Dude's got Eisner's despair. No, I know, but I think he he won one specifically for that. Probably. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't I really so. remember. But that book was stunning. Uh, I mean, he... <laughs> In all seriousness, uh, I don't know if Sandman Overture got many awards due to the fact that it was painfully late. Yeah. Well, I think that was some of the criticism. There was criticism like you were giving awards to like people that haven't finished things and stuff like that. Right. J.H. Williams is painfully slow. That's my only gripe with the guy. He's painfully slow at his job. I don't know that he was the issue because he was doing Batwoman and Batwoman was coming out on time. Yeah, I suppose. But he was also not drawing every issue of it. He was writing it sometimes. Working he was writing and drawing Batwoman, Just at least for the first arc. For the first arc. But who knows how long that was done? Who knows? Yeah. I love the guy. And you can look at his work and understand why it takes as long because he is amazing. The man is a treasure. It's my only bitch. There's not enough J.H. Williams stuff out there. That's my only complaint. He's probably still re- he's probably still recovering from drawing sand. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Allison, thank you for your call. That's an excellent choice. No problem. Have a good day, guys. I All gotta right. get back to work Bye. now. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who dis? It's Brian Domingos. Brian Domingos. Brian Domingos. Are you here to take me to task, sir? Let him have it. I don't know. Listen, there's not enough time of the day to All talk right. about the whole Michael Cray. Um, other than you being wrong, um, <laughs> other than that, um, I don't know what you're expecting, what your expectations are. Um, I know you just want the Elseworld logo. I think that's it. But um, <laughs> not yeah, my I mean, Wildstorm. I just want a Wildstorm logo. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be nice. I, I want to see uh, Deathblow uh, kill the man hunting um, Ollie uh, yeah. Queen. That sounds awesome. I mean, he's hunting dudes and 
the most you dangerous know, game, should, I, I suppose. If he, that's he should die. He, whoa, whoa, whoa. he should die for that. That sounds pretty cool. Sorry about that. There we go. Okay, I had to cut somebody else off. But call back if you're listening. Call back. We're going to talk to Domingos for a little bit. What do you want to wrap about, brother? Um, so the question of the week is it the uh, splash pages? It is in fact splash pages. Okay, I'm going to bring you back to 1993. Okay, I just graduated high school. Okay, yeah, I was 13, but still, cool. it's pretty. You know, same same area. Um, the the best of the image books came back for issue five. <laughs> Which one was um, that? It is Wildcat, Wildcats number five. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know if you remember this. It starts with Drifter and Zealot, beautifully illustrated, gorgeous, bright colors, glossy paper. And they're like on some sort of mission. And then you turn the page and it's a four page fold out. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> it is like, hey, get, by the way, the book's back because here's uh, Zealot and Grifter blasting through the ceiling of some right. who cares building. And um, it was like starting from like the jump. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. And Jim um, Lee loves his multi-page foldouts. Well, this is Jim Lee at his Jim Lee-est, too. Yeah. You know, like, he it, was Jim it, Leeing all over the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it's, it's awesome. And it, that's what sold um, us on Jim he, Lee, though. His, it was his splash pages. Jim Lee was fine he, well, with the little stuff, but when Jim Lee just got to draw a picture, a big picture of Wolverine fighting, you know, uh, the Reavers or something, we all lost our minds. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, he, well, he does that, and then there's like, I mean, I, I've read that issue, I don't know how many, you know, 20,000 times, but the, you know, there's even like you get into this like hand-to-hand with like, zealot and grifter and they're shooting these like and oh, they're yeah. like cyborgs so they're just being murdered and it's like little panels and big panels and the big splashes and he just he there's a reason he's jim lee he's the best of the best you yeah. know when it comes to that i mean he's not frank quietly but when it comes to splashy over the top crazy action and like 90s stuff like he's the best of the whole crop he was the king of the 90s without a doubt king of the 90s yeah and that's why that's why we see these things still around, you know, yeah. and that you can poo-poo them on the internet because they, that's how that's how solid they were back then. Absolutely, they just tried to go a little too heavy with the King of the Nineties, uh, you know, with the whole New Fifty Two thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I've said this before on the show. Jim Lee is a wonderful artist, but a terrible designer. Yeah, he's not a good designer. Uh, or rather, his designs had a time and place. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it still pushes that button for me, but and I, and then like my lizard brain, like I know it's not good. Like, right, I know right. the, and everyone's like, look at all the, the collars. It's like, how Phoenix, did you see yeah. the collars? I was just, I was just like swept up in it. I didn't see like the, you know, look at all the collars and books. Like I, who even knew? I, I just, <laughs> I saw the, the Jim Lee action. I was like, all right, right. Let's see what happens. But um, yeah, uh, too many lines. I will, I will cop to that. Way yeah. too many lines. Yeah. Way, but you know, yeah. that was back in the nineties where you had to show off to get noticed. I'm still, I'm still trying yeah. to recover. I'm still trying to recover from this terrible Flash costume that we were stuck with. Yeah, they will not get rid of it. No, I don't know why. I don't get it. Though uh, they tone it, it down it, here it, and there, but to be fair, Cully Hamner designed half of the New Fifty Two costumes. Cully Hamner and Jim Lee designed them in tandem. Okay. Um, I don't know, so I don't know who's responsible for well, but the Flash Hamner costume. Is right out of that Jim Lee school of art. I mean, he yeah. he was right there in the '90s too. And I love Coley Hamner. 
I do too. He's drawing the new uh, Dirk Thomas, Duke Thomas book. Oh, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Thomas, <laughs> the, the Sergnal. <laughs> Brian, thank you for your call. That's an excellent choice. Thanks, I guys. totally forgot about that. Fold excellent. Out. Oh, it's the best choice. Good oh. luck with the rest. Right, have a good day. <laughs> right, Bye, man. Brian. It looks like we have Keith Binder, who was trying so hard to crash his cigarette this morning, but he could not get through the maids. No, you skipped one. And self-defense. I did. You skipped one. Oh, wait. I think this might be cotton. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Uh, it's cotton. What yeah. up, cotton? You got through. We did it. How are you, man? Hey. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Good. What do you Splendid. want to rap about today? Well, first off, the, uh, you know, the answer of the week for, or question of the week, you give me my answer here. Um, I posted last time on Twitter, but uh, Ryan Otley does amazing splash pages throughout yes, Invincible. Yes, he does. Uh, it's it's r- ridiculous. Um, but uh, also, he uh, had to have somewhat of uh, the one that you know sticks out obviously through all the conquests. But also, there is that uh, hashtag Me Too uh, in Invincible One Eleven, uh, where he's flying away from the from the scene of the, the assault he went through. Uh, oh sure. Uh, the the one in, you know involving man rape and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like I said, in crazy, crazy uh, splash pages all the way throughout. Um, but I also wanted to give you guys my thoughts on uh, the Black Panther trailer. Yes, let's talk um, Black Panther trailer. I'm glad somebody brought it up. Uh, looks, you know, it was amazing. Um, very exciting. You know, uh, um, somebody who hasn't read a lot of Black Panther, it definitely, you know, it's caught my interest. Um, but uh, was kind of bummed out to see that they're still doing the same uh, like villain slash mirage slash villain. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Iron Man versus another Iron Man, or yeah. Oh uh, yeah, he's I got like his own Black Panther suit, doesn't he? Right, right, right. I I, I thought they were uh, moving B. away Jordan. from that, but yeah. But I mean, uh, <laughs> twist, but also, if you think of Michael B. Jordan's character, like in the right. comics, he's completely outmatched. He is completely outmatched. There's no way that Killmonger shows up, you know, with some guns. Well, and causes as much trouble for the Black Panther. I mean, in the comics, in the comics, Eric Killmonger is like he's a giant person. Right, he's like like a mountain of a man. Yeah, he's a big dude. Definitely a physical, physically formidable. Right. Um, but yeah, Michael B. Jordan, uh, fighting you know, super tech costume, Black Panther is probably not a contest. Well, and also without some help. Right. I just like Killmonger, but I agree with you. I'm neither here nor there with the character of Killmonger. I don't have a problem with them putting him in something. So he's a little more formidable, you know? Sure. But I mean, I mean, cotton's right though. It does look like, it just looks like an evil version of Black Panther. Kind of, yeah. You they, know, if you're going to do that... Or a golden him, version. A golden yeah. version of Black Panther. Yeah. Put him in the white gorilla costume, you know? <laughs> That's a different right. character. That's Man-Ape. Yeah, I know. Uh, the, I will say my favorite part of that trailer is the blink and you'll miss it moment where they reveal that Ulysses Claw's fake hand has a <laughs> gun inside of oh, it. Oh, yeah. And right. it, he oh, leans yeah. out of the car, and his, <laughs> the, his hand opens up, and he shoots lasers. Real yeah. rubbery. They're going rubbery as hell. Rubbery full as hell. Kirby. Oh, I man. I love it. I love it. It looks... 
that's what I, I'm so thrilled about is because when you do a Black Panther movie, they could very easily just do, well, the Black Panthers in the United States dealing with the Avengers and whatnot, you know, and like he talks about Wakanda, we get glimpses of it. No, they're going full Wakanda. It looks like Jack Kirby space station in Africa. It is right, awesome. Right. You know, like I'm the excited. costumes look incredible. The Dora Milaje look badass. I oh man. I mean it, it, it's it's hard at this point. It's after this second trailer, it's hard for me to decide which movie I'm more excited for, Thor or Black Panther. I'm excited for both for different reasons. Thor's, I'm excited for both for sure. Exactly. And Thor exactly. is both Thor is closer. Yeah. So it's on my mind. Thor is going to be a, a buddy comedy basically. But and the, that second Black, Black Panther, Panther trailer just blew me away. Badass sci-fi. It blew me away. You know. Yeah. It looks right. incredible. I, I I still I watched it like three times without even just like uh, realizing it uh, right off the bat just to, just to find out. All the small details to it. Yeah, well, and Marvel's so. doing such a wonderful job with these trailers. I mean, in giving you a little taste that you know you're going to freak out about, another little taste that adds a little more to it that's going to like push your buttons even more, and then oh, here's the big one. There's even more cool shit in this that you right. didn't know about. You're like, oh, yeah, they do such a great job of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm Excellent. thrilled. Uh, if you uh, guys, the, if you guys want to see the splash page, Cotton was talking about his uh, his answer. Um, he tweeted it at us, and I retweeted it. So go to the Two Headed Nerd account; yeah. you'll find it. Uh, it's from the Conquest storyline where um, Mark is um, very he upset. He Conquest to death. He's uh, very upset know, with Conquest. Twenty headbutt. headbutt. <laughs> uh, and Ryan, the funny thing is, is that Ryan Otley liked that tweet. And he's got right. twenty six thousand Twitter followers, and all of a sudden it's blowing up. <laughs> Here we go. I, I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. So it was it was really awesome. So uh, again, he, he does those amazing splash pages all throughout the series. He does. Uh, Cotton, I got another call coming in. I got to cut you off, man. But thank you for your call. Cotton, Blunt, the blunted custodian. Cotton, <laughs> Have a good one, buddy. <laughs> thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Jason Sachs. Jason Sachs here. Hello. Now, if there's a nerd that can pick a splash page, I guarantee it's this guy. Is that what you're calling for? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm calling for. How did yeah, I I'm know? I'm going super old school, too. Yeah, nice, I'm nice. going with the... Okay, so has anyone mentioned the spirit? No. In general? No. Okay, so so here I am putting on the PHN historian hat. So Will Eisner's the spirit, one of the greatest comics of all time. And one of the things that makes it so amazing is that Eisner's splash pages were just uh, often the most amazing things that have still been published in the comic history. So you look at a cover or a splash page, like uh, the page, uh, there's a great spirit story called Gerhard Schnabel about basically a nobody who becomes, who has the ability to fly and a splash page of this beautiful page where you just have this kind of all this white space around the page, little text in the beginning in, in the middle of it. And then the guy flying right towards the bottom of the page, which like summarizes the story perfectly because he's in the clouds, he's trapped by the words and he's kind of at the bottom of everything. And it's just this perfect little summation of everything. Or there's another spirit story called the building where the entire building oh, yeah. that the story takes place in is the, is like the, the word, the spirit and right. it's yeah. freaking unbelievable. Yeah. That's Will Eisner um, just showing off. That's uh, man. Yeah. Amazing. I, I know that one. I don't know the previous one, but that one, I remember seeing that and just going, I need to check out the spirit because I had never read it and I read it because <laughs> of that. And yeah, the yeah. spirit is incredible. I remember, I remember reading, 
uh, the way Eisner incorporated lettering into the art, yeah. uh, the way he made the lettering and art in, in and of itself uh, is, you know, something that they teach, <laughs> you know, that they... No, literally. Yeah, yeah. like... Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't remember where I, where I first encountered it. It may have been Understanding Comics. Scott McCloud's book may have talked about it. He did talk about it, definitely. Um, but yeah, I remember reading about it you know, reading this, this piece about Eisner and, and the things that he did with the lettering. And it's so impressive. Yeah. It's so impressive. No, the dude is a master for a reason. Definitely. That's an excellent yeah. choice, Sax. Well, thank you. Thank you. Right. That's what you do. You're the heady one. We're, we're, <laughs> we're just the looks on the show. You're the smart guy, you know, <laughs> you give us an that air of legitimacy. Uh, I, f- I forgot to mention, I did receive uh, a care package from your publisher. Oh, uh, Oh, nice. Uh, two copies of Jim Shooter Conversations. Nice. So I will have I have one for Matt. Um, so we can check that out for sure. I love Jim. Shooter Very so exciting. Much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Can't a, wait to hear what you guys think of it. It's a slick looking book. Definitely. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's awesome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Look, the I, Steve Gerber book is going to be done, in the, which is also in the same series, going to be done in the next month or two, and we'll have that out next spring. You're doing the work of the nerdy angels, sir, and we appreciate it. Look, my number one <laughs> most anticipated book of 2018 is the American Comic Book Chronicles of the 1990s. <laughs> so let's well, get it done, will you? <laughs> do it. Yeah. Chase, thanks for your call, man. It's always good to talk to you. You too. Talk to you later. Bye, All Jason. Right, buddy. All right. Keith Binder. No, you skipped one. Who'd I skip? 623 AM. Good Lord, that's early. Yeah, well, you know who's up that early. Oh, I do know who's up that <laughs> early because he's going to work. Hey, this is Marcus. If you guys could have any fantasy weapon, what would it be and why? Mm. And then Keith. What? Uh, oh, nope. I lost him there. <laughs> okay. Marcus no. wants to know. If we could have... That's en- weird, because the transcript has more to it. Yeah, I don't know. It just stops. It says, uh, what would it be and why, and what quote do you try to live by? <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it sounds like something Marcus would ask us. Fantasy weapon. You could have any comic book weapon. What do you want? Well, can it be a comic book weapon, or does it have to be specifically a fantasy weapon? I don't know. I'm, I'm going... Well, yeah, just fantasy comic book weapon. Infinity Gauntlet. That's what you want? Fuck yes. I don't want that kind of responsibility. It's everything. It's every weapon. I don't want that kind of responsibility, man. Look, if Adam Warlock taught us anything, it's that the second you get the Infinity Gauntlet, you turn some of the functions off. Yeah, I don't want that kind of responsibility. It's too much, man. Then I'd settle for an Infinity Gem. Yeah. A cool one. Like which one? I don't know. Um, The Reality Gem, that's pretty dangerous. Yeah, fuck that, man. No way. I don't want to be in charge of that. Screw it. Well, the Power Gem, then. Don't you... How many of these stories have you read of the Infinity Gauntlet where somebody puts it on and terrible shit happens to them? I know, it but I'm never very... goes well. But I'm very responsible. I'm saying you are chosen poorly. I'm very responsible. Okay. All right, then. If I'm, if I'm going to choose a more down-to-earth answer, then it would probably be web shooters. Web shooters. Yep. All right. I mean, you're going to have to get in shape. Sorry, yeah, buddy. I mean, I'm not going to be swinging in my current state, but I would like totally grabbing be the remote thrilled. and shit. <laughs> I would be thrilled to just have functional web shooters. Uh, Green Lantern's ring, man. I've wanted. Oh, that's such a good answer. That's, I've wanted that's to be, much better than my I've answer. I wanted to be a green member of the Green Lantern Corps since I first discovered the Green and Lantern Corps. And I'm a Corps. I'm the DC guy. Uh, you know I what? Want, I want a Green Lantern. My ring. answer is the Green Lantern. I want ring. to patrol a space sector. I want to go into space with some weird alien as my partner. I mean, oh, 
I've always wanted a Green Lantern ring. You got to be kidding me. That's easy. Uh, if we're talking like fantasy, fantasy weapons, like I got a real thing for King Arthur. So Excalibur is pretty cool. If you ask me. Excalibur. Yeah. I mean, again, you're picking a weapon that's like, it's cursed, man. Well, it's a weapon. I get it. Uh, but the Excalibur is not cursed. Yeah. Bad shit happens to people that wield Excalibur. That's part of the curse. Like you're the leader. It's super powerful. But sooner or later, you're going to die horribly. And give your life for England or whatever. I mean, that's part of the deal. It's a curse. Nah, man. Nah. Yeah, dude. There's weight that comes with it. All right. Great question, Marcus. Let's get to Keith Binder, who was threatening to invade the ziggurat, but could not get through the uh, traps and moloid poop and uh, self-defense and our defense oh, mother laser grid. Patrick says that he can't believe I didn't choose the mother box. Yeah, but if you're not careful. I don't really know how the mother box works. Yeah. I'm going to open a boom tube into yeah. a volcano. If you're not careful, man, or you're going to open a boom tube and granny goodness is going to come out, you know, like, yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know what to do with, uh, like, I just got rid of parademons in my apartment. I don't need another infestation. Now, Metron's chair. That could be cool. Mm. I'd go back and fix some shit I did, you know, like. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of great options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get to Keith by. Hey, guys. Keith Binder here calling in. Uh, he's with an answer to the question of the week. <laughs> I originally thought that it was going to be Kingdom Come to take it for this question uh, on splash pages because why wouldn't it be? Um, and then I was like thinking about all the images from that book that are so iconic, and I just went back and looked through it, and I realized holy shit, there are only three splash pages in the entirety of that book. <laughs> Uh, so I went on to the second thing that came to mind, which come, came from when I was 10 years old and I was reading the pages of Superman and it was Superman number 75, okay. the death of Superman. Oh. And that last two page spread, and it's really hard for me to give it to either the two pages before the last two pages or the actual last two pages where he died because both are just so perfect they're the same shot but the first two feature like the crowd in the background yeah and it has like the last bits of dialogue and then the last page of course is just him dead and <laughs> it was just like the most mind-blowing thing that's ever happened to my tiny little brain at 10 years old um <laughs> So yeah, that's my answer to that. And then I wanted to talk about how shitty of a human Chuck Dixon is now. Uh, that really ruined my day what did this do? week. What did Chuck well, Dixon do? Uh, wow. And uh, also, hot take, I'm watching all of Gotham because I'm, I hate myself. Why? It is a better show than Why? Marvel's Inhumans. Discuss. Oh, um, oh no, I mean, sure, fine. <laughs> yeah, like it is a turd that smells slightly less bad yeah, it's gold than plated. the turd that is Marl's Inhumans. Right. <laughs> I'll say uh, that. So what, Chuck, did, what did Chuck Dixon uh, do? Chuck Dixon. <sighs> I mean, Chuck he's been Dixon. conservative firebrand weirdo sure. for quite a while. Um, but now he's thrown in his lot with uh, white supremacy. Oh, cool. He is going to be contributing. I don't know if you've seen or heard. Um, there's a comic book coming out. Uh, being funded, crowdfunded on a very, very dubious website uh, that is also used to like 
crowdfund bail money for drug lords. Oh, neat. Uh, yeah. Um, called Alt Hero. Oh, boy. And oh, it stars a sexy vixen with her boobs hanging out, wrapped in the Confederate flag. Oh, neat. And it's just meant to, like, trigger those SJWs. Cool. And Chuck Dixon is writing for them. Well. Yeah. You know. Good for uh, you, Chuckle. So, basically, fuck that guy. Well, no. I mean, it's been fuck that guy for a long time. Yeah, but I there's mean, one thing. It's one thing to be conservative, Matt. It's another thing sure. to be a fucking racist. No, I totally agree. I have friends that are conservatives, and we have very good conversations. I have yeah. other. I know other people that are white supremacists, and I throw rocks at them. There you go. Because they're bad people. So, fuck you. Uh, that is not... I, and I'm, let's not... No violence. We're not preaching that here. You know, the best way to beat these people is to ignore them. The best way to beat Chuck Dixon at this game is not throw money at it, ignore it, and marginalize it. Punch all Nazis. That's all I'm saying. Punch all Nazis. My favorite thing happening in popular culture right now is the Bethesda backlash thing? about the Wolfenstein game yeah. and how much they are reveling in well, it. Well, I mean, th- these people... Okay, for those of you who need a firm reference... Uh, there's a new Wolfenstein game coming out, which is based off Castle Wolfenstein, which is a story where you go in and you're an American GI that murders Nazis. That is the game. Like this is you set, it's set in an alternate history where the Nazis win World War yes. II. And yes. You are Nazi and killing And this is machines. like the 13th Wolfenstein yeah, game. Been around forever. So yeah. Bethesda Games, who's putting it out, has an official Twitter for Wolfenstein. And they were like, make, make America Nazi free again. Kill Nazis. Because that's what you do in the game. Yeah. You know, it's like in the Shadow of War game, you're killing orcs. And when they said, get ready for Shadow of War number two, there were no orcs on the internet that went, <laughs> oh, I see what political side you've right. chosen. Right, yeah. So much for the tolerant left. Like, these uh, Nazis came out, and they're like, oh, Bethesda's really making a statement here and getting all political with their video games. The first Wolfenstein came out in, like, 1982. Right. Okay? And we've been killing Nazis ever it, since. The the, the, comment, <laughs> the internet commentary about it. It was insane. Has been amazing. Like, And my favorite take is, like, imagine explaining to your 2015 self. Right. Uh, that in 2017, you will have people tell you that maybe uh, killing Nazis isn't a good look. No, or no, like, no. And like, you're just like, yeah, it's just like, you're being ignorant for not right, giving right. Nazis a De- chance. Defending, right. Yes. <laughs> being tolerant. Yeah. You're like, how dare you? And They're not all bad they're, people. Like, that, that's serious? their defense. Listen, fuck those guys. <laughs> fuck Chuck Dixon. Fuck Nazis. Fuck Richard Spencer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. Throw rocks, throw punches, get a virtual gun and blow some virtual notches away. It's very cathartic. All right, let's let's get let's uh, hold up. Back to a happy. Turn return. the ringer on, please, for just a second. Why are we doing this? You told me to turn it off. Turn and it off. it's after twelve thirty. Turn it on. Oh, for crying out fucking loud! It's on. Uh, Justin was trying to call. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's my buddy Justin. We're going to go to Hawaii together in, in Sorry, uh, January. I'm excited. Jason, I call, I call him like a season. All right, all right. Here we go. I don't even think this is him, though. Thank you for calling Twitter Nerd. Caller, who this? Holy shit. <laughs> Justin Robert Fletcher. It's Justin Robert. The president killer. The assassin known as Justin Robert Fletcher. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm very well. How are you, too? Oh, we're doing okay. Lovely. Thank you. What did you want to wrap about today, sir? Uh, I want to talk this, uh, since I know nothing about comics, I don't know comic movies, so let's talk this uh, cable deal. Let's talk this about Tim this Miller cable leaving. deal. <laughs> yeah, okay, so tell us All about right. this. You've got information that Tim Miller, the director of the original Deadpool, left because Ryan Reynolds is a shithead. 
essentially. No, I, okay, so I didn't exactly say that. Okay, but okay no, so, that's uh, not like what a year ago, I remember, I remember reading shit about how Ken Miller had left the project for creative differences, okay? And I ended up finding this article, because like, rumors just flew for a month where Reynolds was just talking shit, and then finally uh, Miller like spoke out. So I'm like, this is the one thing Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm losing, I just wanna, we're losing you. Come back, come back. Okay, sorry. Okay, All there right. you are. There you well, are. Well, he, he reads, I just want to say one thing to the geek audience out there because it's important to me what the geeks and nerds of the world think because they're my brothers and sisters. I didn't want to make some stylized movie that was three times the budget. If you read on the internet, who cares really? But for those who, who do, I wanted to make some kind, the same kind of movie we made before because I think that's the right movie to make for the character. So don't believe what you read on the internet. Whoa. So, they, so I mean, and, and also, I'll, let's talk about, let's talk also about, I don't think people want to see a rated R comic book movie. I think we've always wanted to see rated R comic book movies. I think Deadpool just opened the door for Hollywood to go, oh, we can still make money right. when we cut our audience down by half. Right. I mean, or, or not even cut it down by half, but like there is enough adults that love this shit out there that we can make handfuls of money still and have a rated R film. And yeah, I, I love yeah, it. I think PG yeah. I think the PG 13 was just like, that was just a desperate attempt to try to make every dollar you can make. Yeah. I mean, it's just like PG 13 horror. I constantly rail against PG 13 horror because that is just they're garbage. It's garbage. I, I can't think of a good PG 13 horror film off the top of my head. I mean, they are typically but, watered down, not that scary. They, the gore is dialed back. What is the point? I mean, honestly, right. it's like you watch a football game and they censored out all the tackles or something. I mean, why? <laughs> now, with that said, I'm kind of with Joe that, like, I don't necessarily need a rated R cable film, but I need to see what they're going to do with cable first. And what you just told us really worries me. Well, I mean, it's not like well, I have yeah. any problems with rated R movies. It's that, like, I don't... Like, I don't really see any point in making a Justice League movie that's rated R. No. You know what I'm saying? Well, again, like, I agree right. there in, with something like that. Uh, well, something like Deadpool, whatever, it's it's fine. Sure. You know, if they were uh, if they were going to make a, uh, the next Punisher movie better be rated R, I'm not, yeah, like, why even bother? Yeah. But. Well, I, yeah. well, for me, it's more about relating to the film, like, it, and to the, the, the subject matter. I think if you want to make comic book movies and you want to ground them into some kind of reality that people can relate to, then it makes sense that every now and again when shit goes wrong, that the superhero goes, fuck. Sure. No, to me, that's natural. I, I don't disagree. And a character like Wolverine, yeah, he cusses all the time. I get that, you know? I just, I just think whenever, you know, but back to the whole Tim Miller thing. Yeah, I'm worried as shit. Like, they, to me, it's like, we just know we're going to throw a ton of money at, at Deadpool because it did well. Yeah. And but we're going to we're going to leave behind everything that made the first one all the money that it made. They could really screw it up. They could really screw it up. Man, I hope not. Yeah, I mean, I mean the first Deadpool was a riot and it was it was just ridiculous and it was slapstick comedy and it was violent and it was fun and I don't know if they try to lean into it too hard and catch that, you know, genie I think in the bottle. They really need to establish I just hope that it's not some cameo cable appearance. Like the whole point would be the the banter between the two. Oh, I and think right. I want him to have, have a meaty role. In I the, think they're the going movie. full on. Yeah. I would be really surprised if they didn't. That would be a mistake. It would be a mistake, Justin. So, and, but I mean, what do you guys think about the double casting of one character, one dude for two different Marvel pieces? That doesn't bother me. 
It doesn't bother me so much. You know, we had we had Chris Evans playing the Human Torch, and right. then he was Captain America. And when, it's not <laughs> yeah, like so. Thanos is going to get actually, his own movie. Evans, I think. I actually think Chris Evans has been in more comic book films than anybody because wasn't he also wasn't the Losers a graphic novel? The Losers yeah. was a Vertigo series. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. Chris Evans. Chris Evans has starred in many comic book franchises. There's a, yeah, there's a League of Extraordinary Chris Evans out there. Definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Justin, thank you for your call, buddy. Thanks, fellas. All Take right, it talk easy. To you soon. Right, Look, I'm not saying that uh, that uh, Justin Robert Fletcher has definitely assassinated anybody. But he is the official THN assassin. But I'm saying he <laughs> definitely knows his way around a book depository. Sure, sure. The official THN assassin, Justin Robert Fletcher. I like it. That's good. Let's get to our last call. Hey guys, uh, this is Eric um, from Nebraska, and uh, First time yeah, I've been listening to you guys for oh, almost uh, probably about ten months now. Uh, new to comics, and so honestly, I don't think I could have figured out where to start without your guys' podcast. You nice. guys have been a lifesaver, and uh, yeah, you're fun to listen to. So great insights. Uh, I've loved uh, all of the all the episodes or most of the episodes. <laughs> But uh, talking about splash pages, some okay, of them so though are real stinkers. The whole uh, championship belt podcast with uh, Jason Aaron Walt Simons and that whole thing like uh, got me into uh, reading Thor, and uh, uh, you know I've read some of Walt Simons and stuff, uh, some of uh, Aaron stuff, and uh, uh, man, I am really digging uh, the Mighty Thor uh, right now, um, and very specifically War Thor. Uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I love War Thor. <laughs> Uh, just, I think it's a great reason for this character to be, uh, in this, uh, storyline and in this universe and, uh, the splash page, um, from one of the recent comics, uh, Mighty Thor, um, I believe the number is, let me check right quick, number 23, like pages two and three, uh, when you have, uh, Thor and War Thor just going head to head, uh, both pages just, I sat there looking at it for like Five minutes at least with my jaw just dropped just in awe of uh that page so um love it love it the podcast uh, keep doing what you're doing uh you guys are drawing in new uh comic book fans me uh, myself included uh thanks so much guys uh, we'll talk to you later bye eric welcome aboard yeah. buddy that was so sweet that's awesome what a great way to end the show i that love was it so sweet i thought he was going to go to the splash page in the most recent mighty thor 700 which is just amazing and it's not just amazing because the art is absolutely gorgeous. It, again, Russell Dodderman, who is probably the best right now. But it reveals so much stuff that's coming in one splash page that I just made a noise when I looked at it. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> so cool. Um, is it a big spoiler to say who the Warthor is? Uh, it's been some issues now, hasn't it? It has been some issues. No, I don't think it's a spoiler. Is it? It's Volstag, right? It's Volstag right now. Yes. It's, okay. It's I'm obviously I'm I'm very 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 far behind okay. on Thor. So it's Volstag. Yeah. It, it, is it? Does it switch? Well, sort of. Okay. I mean, <laughs> there's a thing. In, it's, yeah. There's something. Yeah. Yeah. There's something going on there. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's Volstag right now, and it's great. Because man, it was seemed really obvious to me that it was Odin. It is great. Yeah. <laughs> totally love it. 
Thank uh, you to everybody that called and sent an MP3 today. We got to give our answers. Yeah, we're going to give I our gotta, answers. I got to answer. I'm just thanking everybody All real right. quick. And uh, guys, again, you can play along by calling us every Saturday from 11 to 1230. You can answer the question of the week. You can talk news just like we did. Did an excellent job today. Before we go here, though, Joe, let's get our answers. Let's make them quick because this show is getting long. Yeah. Uh, so... My answer comes from an unlikely source, and I would go so far as to say it's probably not a very well-regarded comic at all. Okay. But <clears throat> that particular moment in the comic just really struck me. Okay. Uh, it was from 1996 or 7. Uh, I know, I don't know exactly what year, but I was in college at Iowa State at the time, so it was 96 or 97. The comic was Superman the Wedding Album. Oh, boy. Uh, the issue where... Clark and Lois get married. Oh boy. And uh at the time Superman is is in a really weird place. He has lost his powers. Okay. Um I believe as a result of the final night uh event, the sun went out, his powers went away. Right. They did not come back. Right. Uh and there was a whole thing about why and uh <laughs> Baba Booey Carl Smith. Um <laughs> Yeah, so Superman is powerless, uh, but he's still running around doing his thing, and uh, you know he's doing his best. He had long hair mm -hmm. still at the time. This is true, and it was this issue where finally, like, he cuts that goddamn mullet off and yeah. goes back to being Superman. Yeah, but um, so he's talking to Batman, and he's like, "Look, man, you're getting married. You deserve this. Take your wife, go on a honeymoon. You know." Everything's fine. Sure. I have made arrangements for Metropolis to be safe while you're gone. And like Superman is very conflicted about it. He's like, I just, I can't, I'm so, I can't leave Metropolis. I right. can't leave for two weeks. Right. And Batman's like, I got it covered. Don't worry about it. This is your short answer. I pulled right? some strings. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you, you turn the page and there is a two page spread, uh, shot, uh, drawn from, below so you're like looking up as superman and batman look up into the sky and you see like two dozen of dc's most popular heroes at the time like streaking through the skies of metropolis directly over superman like batman gathered all of superman's best friends Aww. and they're all like we're gonna drop everything to Aww. protect your town while you're gone and like i'm getting all tingly just thinking about it because it's such a great page turn yeah uh, and then it's Ron Friends was the artist, longtime Thor artist, Ron yeah, Friends. Yeah, love Ron Friends. Uh, also longtime Superman artist. Uh, and it's just a great two-page spread of Superman looking that. up and smiling as all of DC's greatest heroes are there like, we got this. That was great. And yeah, and That's then the cool. rest of the issue is 90s Superman whatever. Yeah, but, it's stupid. Uh, yeah, I love that moment so much. It was great. Yeah. Uh, everybody talked about it today, but mine comes from Kingdom Come, and it is also a Superman moment, and it's one of the three splash pages. And again, it's a page turn. It's an amazing page turn. And it's that scene where all the younger heroes are fighting and smashing each other and just, like, fighting for almost no reason, and they've destroyed the Midwest because of their dumb battles, and it, the Earth is just ruined because of these idiots and then one by one during the battle they start to like look up in the air a little bit and like sort of stop punching each other and one of them goes look 
up in the air. And then you know, another one says, is that a bird? Like, look up in the sky. Look up in the sky. He's like, is that a bird? No, I think it's a plane. And then one of them goes, no, and looks very concerned <laughs> and says, it's Superman. And you turn the page and there is Superman holding like an unconscious guy and a piece of like robot, broken robot stuff in his hand floating in that very typical Superman scene where everybody looks up and he's normally smiling and looking down and everything's fine and it's this glowing Superman. But in this one, it is an older Superman with white hair on the sides of his head and a very upset look on his face, looking down on everyone as if to say, you fuckers are doing it wrong and I'm coming back to put an end to this crap. It is Oh no! That sounds like Superman. Picture. <laughs> oh my god! And it's Alex Ross painting Superman. I mean, I, I can't resist it. The first time I saw it, I loved it. Every time I revisit that page, it's just perfect. Because they, before that, Diana Wonder Woman had come back and been like, "We need you back. This is bad. It's out of hand. You know, all these young heroes have no idea what they're doing. They're just violent and gritty and stupid." And this is Superman coming back to put the hurt on these jerks. My favorite splash page from that book is the revelation of Captain Marvel showing up to. That is another uh, great one. Superman. Oh, that's so good. Right after Lex Luthor is like reveals <laughs> who his secret weapon is. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, here's the page in, qu- here's the page in question. Yeah. Oh um, my God. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he's holding, uh, Somebody I don't recognize, but also the Jill Tam- the Jill Thompson lookalike uh, Harlequin or whatever they her yeah. name was, uh, Joker's daughter. Who knows? Such a great page. Oh, yeah, man, uh, that is a good page. My other one was from uh, that I almost went with, was from New Mutants Annual. I think I want to say it was two. It was the one where they were in uh, Asgard and. Uh, Art Adams was drawing it and the X-Men vanished and were gone and the new mutants had to become the new X-Men. Yeah. And there's a splash page of all of them and that Art Adams drew in this ridiculous costumes. Oh, those like, costumes are so bad. Cannibal's got like a helmet on and like Magic's dressed like kinky Indian, st- or pardon me, Mirage is dressed like kinky Indian stripper. <laughs> and, like, and Warlock is on Doug Ramsey. He's wearing Warlock like a super suit and it's got huge right, muscles and yeah. a cape. Oh man, when I was a kid, I was just like, Yes! <laughs> like new team of X-Men. And it lasted until the end of that annual, and then everything was fine. <laughs> right. Those costumes are bad. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody that called in. Before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, why don't you give them something to think about for the next week? Why don't you tell them about our new question of the week? Our new question of the week comes from Black Scorpion number three, who we heard from earlier in the show. Via the THN forums, he asks very simply. What is the first comic book that really scared you as a kid? Perfect. Just in time for Halloween, baby. Next week's our Halloween show. Joe Patrick's a big Halloweenie. R.I.P. The Metal Show. Matt says we can't do it anymore. Can't do The Metal Show because we don't want to get in trouble for using music. So instead, we're going to do the THN Ziggurat Halloween Spooktacular. All right, fair enough. I'm going to decorate the ziggurat. It's going to be super scary. It's going to be flashing lights and smoke and uh, Moloids jumping out and grabbing you. Oh, it's going to be so scary. You're going to love it. That is it for THN 465. If you dig podcasts that out their friends as assassins, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. 
THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send our huge thanks to nerds like Come on. Kyle. How about our, like, ma- our Mangog size thanks? Mangog just came back. Look, not everything <laughs> has to be a joke. It's forced. Mention Mangog. We want to send a Mangog size thanks <laughs> to all of our donors, like Bobby, who uh, spoke today about his patronage. Yeah, super uh, nice of Bobby. And everyone else that donates on PayPal and Patreon with their monthly support. Or, or even just one-time donations. We really appreciate that as well. Or the Amazon link. Tell them about Amazon. We have an Amazon link that you can find in the show notes of every episode. Yes. If you click on that link, it takes you to Amazon, and you just shop as normal. It doesn't have to be comics. True. Nope. It's anything you buy. By clicking on that link, we get a tiny piece. It yeah. does not increase your prices. It just kicks back a little bit to your buddies, your two-headed buddy. There you go. Um, but yeah, we can't thank you guys enough. We We... Uh, we have a lot of big ideas. We have a lot of equipment that we need to we have a lot maintain of and ideas. replace. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't do any of it without you. Like the, the all of the things that you love about the show could not be possible without your help. And we really appreciate you. For Absolutely it. true. Before we go, a weekly shout out goes to Puerto Rican artist Daniel. Oh boy. Irizari. That wasn't so hard. Who's currently finishing the last two issues of Judge Dredd, The Blessed Earth by Candlelight. Thanks to the devastation. That's not what that... I just wanted you to emphasize that he's drawing by candlelight. You put it in all caps, so I emphasized it. (laughs) Thanks to the devastation caused by Hurricane Maria in September, Irizari is such a pro that not even a hurricane could keep him from getting the job done. The next issue of The Blessed Earth is still on track to come out on time. So no excuses, comic professionals! All right? This man is working in a wasteland. Also, he is traditionally a digital artist and had to transition back to paper. That is good lord, man. And he's just like, no problem, I got this. Word to you, Daniel, and the 3.4 million others still reeling from Maria's impact. This is this is a paraphrased from this is a paraphrased quote from uh from Daniel. He says it's easy to be cynical or jaded or to get wrapped up in the big next big Hollywood blockbuster, but there's a lot of people out there still in need. If Puerto Ricans are American citizens and they're not looking for handouts, don't fall for the narratives that the current administration is creating. They need us. Yes. They're only fault. They're is, a part of us. Their only fault is they're brown and the current administration are fucking racists. And so. there are so many people that still need help and it Texas is also still screwed. Florida is also still screwed. Oh, but the difference is we're helping Texas. Right. But <laughs> so whatever you guys can do, please. Show your support. Show your help. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Or your retailer might just shut the power off your house, leaving you working by candlelight. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. I think you mean candlelight! (laughs) Leaving you working by candlelight! This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.